Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 346. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's shaking, Bacon? You sound alive this week. Yeah, uh, just barely, by the skins of my teeth. So... I mean, you, um, I mean, you sound very different. Last week, you sounded like yeah. death. You sound like you yeah. this week. That's good. Uh, you may you still know. feel like shit, but that's yeah. no bearing on yeah. what I'm talking about. I've been, it's been hanging on for the rest of the week. Um, my, but I'm all right. I don't have like the convulsing coughing fits, which is nice. However, I went and played football this morning, and that was probably too much too soon. Um, sort of a bunch of times where I, I thought I was gonna die for a second. You know, uh, recovering from a chest cold and then going out and running in 45, 46 degree weather. Not smart, but, you know. Given the amount of Taco Bell you consume, I assume there's at least once per week where you think you're about to die. No, no, no. I actually don't eat that much Taco Bell anymore. Oh. Um, No, no, no. Lifestyle change. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. No, um. But yeah, no, I, I, I used to be like that, but now I'm in a lot better shape. And uh, uh, someone at the gym complimented me and said that I'm built like a mini fridge. Um, so I'm going to take that as a compliment, not as a slight. So, however, running is still not my forte and running on uh, bad lungs that have been, you know, I've been coughing up gunk for a week. You know, no, not good. So. I really <clears> can't <throat> figure out if built like a mini fridge is a compliment or like I, I don't even know what it means. Yeah, that's what he said. It's because I'm not tall. It's because I'm compact. You know, if I was slimmer, you know, like they say about you know the Japanese wrestler Ishii, as they say he's built like a fire hydrant. You know, I don't, I don't have that build. So, but I'm short in, in squat. So, again, I'm, I'm I get that one though because the fire hydrant is yeah. tough. Like you know, you, yeah. you, you know, it's a solid. It's it's yeah. heavy. It's yeah, a mini fridge is short squat and it contains a lot of food, which again, I'm not going to call anybody a liar that calls me that. Does a mini fridge contain a lot? I feel like a mini fridge is usually used for drinks rather than food. Not the one at my work, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, because I'm thinking yeah. of a mini fridge where you've already got a regular fridge, but you've got a mini yeah. fridge somewhere else in the house for yeah. convenience sake. It's probably filled yeah. with drinks. More than it is food. You put a lot of cold Taco Bell in a mini fridge. See, you're claiming you don't eat as much Taco Bell, Matt, but your your go to reference is still how much Taco Bell can I fill in something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. Those are old habits die hard. Um, But no, um, I really haven't had Taco Bell. They did me dirty the last time I had them, um, and it just it wasn't as good as it had been. So I just stopped going. Mm. If we do eat fast food, it's not Taco Bell, but. There's been so many mom and pop like dining like takeout restaurants that have popped up in my area in the last three months that we tend not to eat fast food. We tend to eat takeout more than anything um, when we don't feel like cooking. So, so like today I did have a burrito, but it was from a place called El General uh, right over here. Yeah. That's brand new. So, um, it's very very good. Um, nice 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 and filling. Tad more expensive, but I again doesn't make me feel like garbage, which is fine. So okay, well, this is a DC Comics podcast, <laughs> believe it or not. Not uh, that you could tell. We talk about <laughs> DC Comics every week. Uh, the books we'll be talking about this week uh, will include Detective Comics one thousand sixty nine. Nice. 
Like, there was a passing thought where will I say it while I crack the joke, and before I even had time to think about it, Matt already hit the nice. I don't know what that says about me. I know what it says about Matt, but... It says I have a great sense of humor. Uh, Actually, Comics 1052, which is also kind of a nice number as far as DC it goes. <laughs> it's relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Batman vs. Robin issue 5, Stargirl The Lost Children issue 4, Matt Red Blue Beetle Graduation Day issue 4, and of course we have the Human Target issue 12 to wrap up. Uh, that uh, very notable series, the one of the sort of main mm -hmm. events we've been looking forward to uh, over the last year or so. Um, yeah, and I was going to do a Patreon book, and then I looked at next week's list and realized that I had even less books to read next week. I thought I'll just do both then because uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll need we'll need more next week. So uh, yeah, that's what's coming up on the show today. So uh, hopefully that is of excitement, and you look forward to it, and maybe we'll have some hot spicy takes. Maybe not. Maybe it'll be cold. Uh, I, there, there's, I, I have a hot take for one of the books that we read. Um, <gasps> it's probably not a hot take coming from me, but uh, it'll be a take nonetheless. Why have I got a feeling it's uh, something Something was too Batman or Batman was too too good or powerful or something to that effect? Something in that area, that general gist. I, I'm going to keep it closed so we don't guess, but... I'm spot on. That was a direct yeah. hit. That wasn't just I sunk your battleship. That was I. I hit the critical weak point of the Death Star and brought the entire thing uh, down in one fell swoop. You know, That's what that was. Uh, yeah, we'll see. All right. So, yeah, that, that's what's coming up. Um, not, not much in the way of news. There's one tiny thing. Um, but we'll we'll get into that. But obviously, you know, we we always like to start the show with a fan favorite segment, something that brings joy to the masses and. Maybe even gets a few tears of happiness from from some of the faithful. Um, um, it certainly gets a few you, tears from Matt as well. <laughs> if that's you, please let me know because I feel like these are lies. I feel like nobody likes this segment but Pete. <laughs> well, and... No, no. There's so, been vocal support. There's been vocal support. Uh, oh yes, oh yes. I, I might even start a new tier on Patreon just to just to sponsor the Comicsology Top Ten, just so people can show their undying loyalty to the best segment on the show. <laughs> but with that said, there's always time for a Comicsology Top Ten. So yeah, uh, looking at the top ten books as of right now, because uh, they're sorted by most sold. On Comicsology, we have them separated by day, so we do the Tuesday books, which are DCs, and then we'll have a look at the rest of the industry on the Wednesday as well. What's interesting about this past week is that because DC are on the Tuesday these days, and I'm sure this has happened before, because mm -hmm. it's been been a little while since they switched now, it's been like two years, yeah. um, but I noticed this week, just something that's a little bit weird, is that because the last day of the month was the Tuesday, DC had its like first week or, sorry, I had its last week of the month, its fourth week, uh, the same week that Marvel had its first week of the next month. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's confusing to think about, but the, just a mildly yeah, amusing thing I noticed. Yeah. Yeah, it's happened a couple times where, like, they've come out on, like, the 30th. Yeah. And then, you know, Wednesday's the first. So, it is quite amusing. No, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely happened before, because that, that must happen, you know, on average, like, what, once or twice a year, maybe? Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so we'll look at the uh, the top ten. Uh, see, so what do you think DC's most selling book was as of right now on Comicsology of the dot coms? I'm gonna guess it's Batman vs Robin five. Nope. Wow. Okay. Um. Then uh, Star Girl. Nope. Dang. Last time I guessed tech, it was wrong. So <laughs> I'm gonna go tech. Wrong. Oh my god. All right. Let's just keep this running. Uh, human target twelve. <laughs> I love how. I would say that on this week's DC list of books, there's five main books, and then yeah. there's like you know all the other ones, right? The you know the the the, the tie-ins, the weird sort of like mini series, like you know DC Ruby, um, and no disrespect to Blue Beetle, but you know a smaller title, yeah. right? I would say there was five main big heavy hitter books. You have said all four except the one that was actually number one, right? And it's actually comics ten fifty two. It's actually comics one thousand fifty two. I I'll take I'll even take the personal L so that I can take the one spot. So. Yes, I thought you'd have went with your heart and guessed that first. No, because no, because I've done that before and I've been completely wrong. So, um, no, that's that's good. I'm glad. No, no, yeah, it's it's good. Uh, so yeah, actually, comics number one, number two is Batman versus Robin issue five, which have they solicited like past issue five, Matt? I don't think so. so. Is this the end of the miniseries? I think, I think which, so. Which and is what, I just what? wish instead of doing these Alpha and Omega Lazarus Planet. Yeah, why wasn't it just a seven issue book? Yeah. Why why weren't why, why wasn't that just issues five and six yep. and then this was issue seven? I don't understand. Doesn't make sense. But Me neither. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, number three was Human Target issue twelve. Number four was Detective Comics one thousand sixty nine. Mm-hmm. Number five is oh. Star Girl: The Lost Children issue four. Uh, and then we get to some of the weirder stuff, like the Riddler Year One at number six. Uh, we have Tim Drake Robin at number seven. We have DC Ruby at number eight. Uh, number nine is Blue Beetle Graduation Day. And number 10 is that $10 Shazam Fury of the Gods special where all the stories are co-written by the actors in the movie. So so I don't know how many my shop ordered, but there was a lot <laughs> of those on the stands <laughs> when I got there Wednesday. Yeah, I don't, so. I don't know if you agree with this, but it kind of feels like... Mm-hmm the movies set out to die a little bit. It doesn't really feel yeah. like they're doing a big marketing push or anything No, like that. um, I get a lot because my, um, I had a friend that had me on their YouTube, um, you know, whatever that's called, their YouTube premium. And then they've taken me off. I don't know if, you know, they just, you know, wised up to it and forgot or whatever. But now I get a lot of ads on YouTube. Um, and I keep getting them for Shazam, but that's the only place I'm seeing them. Is on YouTube. Uh, I'm not seeing them on TV when I watch hockey or anything else. So, um, yeah, kind of kind of feels that way when you're when you're relying on a streaming uh, ad so much. But again, I don't know how much of the market has changed, right? Um, yeah, I've just seen very little uh, of it. It, it just it kind of feels because there was even like a thing from the director uh, yeah. in this past week saying that. Shazam 2 doesn't really contradict anything in the future yeah. of DC plans, but it'll only like, get a third one if people go see it. It, it kind of felt like he, he knew the writing was on the wall and he was kind of asking people well, to go see it to like save it effectively. Yeah, and so I, I responded to that tweet because someone had responded to him and um, that led to, to that was about, oh, so it doesn't matter, so why do I need to go see it? And it was like, well, if the only reason you're going to see movies is because it matters in the grand scheme of things, that's on you. That's not on 
Warner Brothers or like either you want to see Shazam two or not, like regardless of it factors in or not. So, um, it sounds to me like that guy didn't want to see it that much, anyways. Uh, so that's a whole completely different conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I'm not so, gonna go see it in theaters. So. Yeah, like but that's, <laughs> right. So, but that it has nothing to do with with you wanting to see it or not. It has nothing to do with it tying no. into the new James Gunn stuff. So, no, I mean, it does kind yeah. of feel that like these next four movies coming out are kind of in this mm-hmm. weird, like, this weird place where it feels like none of them will probably be continued in any way because yeah. this reset's coming and, you know, so that's right. kind they're of a in, weird thing connected to that, but it's, it, is a, it, is, it isn't quite just because, oh, it doesn't right. matter to the, like, if it was well, just a start, like, the Batman's not mattering to anything, that doesn't no. matter. Exactly. So you either want to see the Batman chapter two or you don't. And you, that person probably does. So they they were just looking to being like really crappy kinds of fans. And I, you know, good on Sandberg for for commenting. And like, if I have time, I plan on seeing Shazam. Um, but I'm not like going out of my way. So like, I'm I'm gonna try to catch up on Cocaine Bear today because I was so sick last weekend. I didn't make it. You I'm know? so glad you said beer at the end of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no stimulants for me, thank you. Caffeine's uh, enough. But uh, talk about heart exploding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's either that or Creed, which, you know, that one snuck up on me. Uh, Creed it's getting, getting good reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut might be, yeah. uh, might be a hit. With, with, uh, with Jonathan Majors, who's like actor du jour. Um, I, do you so... know what? I really like Jonathan Majors because I loved mm-hmm. him on uh, Lovecraft Country. And yeah. I, I like the the universe knew I didn't care about more Marvel movies, so it gave me another movie, but he's also playing a villain. Like, I, I, yeah. I appreciate that in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Thank you, universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that said, he's very good in Ant-Man and Wasp. Like, he, but again, he's Jonathan Majors. Like, if he's going to show up and, and be good, and I don't want to spoil anything, but if you know about Kang, you know that Jonathan Majors is kind of a, a perfect character, act, not a character actor. He's an actor that's capable of playing that character in its midi many different you know um instances if you will um so i'm gonna hit you with a really kind of lame yes. joke that only a portion Uh-oh. of our audience are going to get that's if you say that's got to be king <laughs> i'm gonna say that's got to be king um do you know how much i whispered to that uh, to ashley when we were in the theater and i got the yeah Nope. First time he walks out of the, 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 the nope. movie. That's gotta be Kang. <laughs> um, I also me yelling now while watching Loki, <laughs> like also. So, yes. but you have to yell like Vince McMahon or else. It doesn't oh, of work. course, yes. This is yeah. a wrestling reference for everyone doesn't get yeah. it. But uh, but those those of you who were watching wrestling in 1997, we'll we'll get a yes. chuckle out of it. What was uh, that? Um, was it? It was a cell match, but it wasn't the cell, right? It was Survivor. Spare series? No, it was that was a cell match. It was bad blood. Bad blood. That's yeah. what I was trying to figure yeah. out which which pay per view it was on. Um, yeah, it was a cell. He comes he comes out and yeah. rips the, the door off. That's right. Yeah, McMahon's yelling, "That's gotta be Kane! That's gotta be Kane!" Oh my god. <sighs> Dear. I mean, it's just, it's a shame Kane in real life's a shithead, but you know, one hundred percent. But you know. The, yes. 1997, 1998, fun memories of Kane? those two years. And you know, it's like this is, is the guy that set his house on fire and, and killed his parents is a lot more sympathetic than, than Glenn Jacobs. I know, his character's <laughs> a monster, but he's still more likable than the real person. Yeah. 
<laughs> Anywho, uh, Wednesday's uh, comics uh, top ten. Uh, so, any guesses for the rest of the industry, man? So I'm looking, and I don't see. As of right now, I'm just I'm doing. I don't see any of the specials. However, seeing that this was a book that Tim picked up, <gasps> um, I'm gonna guess that Hallow's Eve number one for Marvel. No. Uh, no, I, I I was scanning to find it. It's number eleven. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> no, so I saw Tim. Tim picked up Duo Power Bomb, which I'm very proud of him for doing because that's uh, one of my favorite books of last year. Um, and then I also saw this on there, so I was like, hmm, maybe Tim's going out of his way to buy it, but we all know why he bought it because of the title. Um, it's a it's a new Marvel character that gets powers from Halloween masks. Um, <laughs> very much a Tim concept. So all right, so. Being that I don't see any other specials out and as a, a cursory glance, I'm going to go to the first X-Book I see, and that's X-Force 38. Nope. Oh, dang. I'm not good at this today. Is it Venom? Nope. Yo, all right. I'm tapping on this one. Well, you were kind of half right with your logic. Uh, as an X-Book, it is Rogue and Gambit issue one. Where the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> down that below. Like four rows down on League of Comic Geeks. Yeah, yeah, Rogan Gambit. Um, honestly, I even realized it was a Marvel book at first, just because it, the yeah. cover looks very indie. Uh, it does. Just because I don't know the colorful logo, I guess. But uh, actually, do you know what it is? It's because the Marvel logo is black and white instead of red, so mm-hmm. the little red box mm-hmm. didn't jump out to me. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't show. It looks like an IDW book or something. Yeah. Uh, number two is X Force issue thirty-eight, uh, which is Percy uh, rating just now. Uh, number three is a book I was not familiar with, but uh, because it's uh, no- number one by Jeff Lemire, I'm definitely uh, interested, and that is uh, Phantom Road issue one from Image Comics. So yeah, that cover looks like a uh, '70s exploitation movie. Mm. Um, I'd maybe be tempted to go go uh, read that. Uh, yeah, but- here I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the beat real quick. It says Dom is a long haul trucker attempting to stay ahead of his tragic past. When he stops one night to assist Birdie, who has been in a massive car crash, they pull an artifact from the wreckage that throws their lives into fifth gear. So, uh, yeah, it seems like a very Lemire concept. Yeah. The, pro- the problem is, though, is I, uh, when it comes to image books, if I try and read them in single issues, I always only get a few in, and then I'm like, nah, I'll yeah. just... <laughs> I, Trade. I, I, because it was, the problem is, is that I, f- I find them hard to remember month to month versus superhero stuff for whatever reason, so it's the, yeah. the, the, they read better in trade for me. But True. I get that. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, Phantom Road issue one. Number four is Spider-Man issue six. This is the Dan Slott one. There's a lot of Spider-Man on that cover. There's a lot of Spider-Man. Maybe some Spider-Ladies, by the looks of it. Yeah. Uh, number five is Star Wars Hidden Empire. Number okay. six is Cosmic Ghost Rider. Sure. Is that a thing? Is that a new thing? That's maybe an issue one, to be honest. I don't remember seeing it. Recently. All I see is Ghost Rider. I'm looking for Cosmic Ghost Rider issue 105 by Stephanie mm. Phillips. Yep. So. Wow. Uh, number seven is Captain America Sentinel of Liberty. Mm-hmm. Number eight is Star Wars issue 32. Number nine is Venom 17. And uh, number 10 is Star Wars The High Republic. Three Star Wars books in the uh, top 10. Yeah. Marvel pumping those out this week. So, oh, that's not even. Yeah, there's, there's another. The Star Wars. There's a Mandalorian. There's a Han and Chewie book. <laughs> and these are all stuff that came out this week. So, who we? Oh, I'll boom put a Buffy uh, special issue, but 
<laughs> I'm not keeping up to date with what's going on with the Buffy comics right now, but yeah. uh... uh there's a story that I wanted to share with you and I forgot uh, until just now, but there was this uh came across a TikTok and it was this uh kid go, Hey dad, you wanna tell how Buffy the oh, I, 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 I saw this, yes. I, I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, the dad who refused to go into the storm cellar when the tornado was coming because he wanted to watch the Buffy series finale. And because <laughs> he did so, yeah. he was able to like free his family who got trapped in their storm cellar when a tree fell on the door. Yeah. Uh, so it saved their lives that he yeah. refused to go to safety <laughs> and instead yeah, so wanted to watch Buffy. <laughs> I said that to my friend Jared who lives in Oklahoma and I said, I can tell you these people are from Oklahoma without knowing it. And I sent it to him and he goes, oh dude, 100%, that looks like my Uncle Rick. So, you know, um, but yes, I, I am immediately thought of you, uh, not, not, you know, seeking shelter during a storm because Buffy was on. I mean, how bad could the storm have been? His TV signal was still fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked, I asked you about that because he, he just, they recently had a, a watcher warning. Um, and he goes, ah, we're all fine. We had like 90 mile an hour winds. <laughs> I was like, what? And yeah. They don't go to the storm cellar for 90 mile an hour winds. So who knows how much this guy was, but he finished Buffy. He said he watched Angel, and then he came to check on the family. Uh, I I feel like I can f- like winds feel strong to me when they hit twenty miles per hour. I can't imagine yeah. what ninety feels like. Yeah, for sure, dude. We had we had fifty to sixty here last week, and man, it was rough times. It felt like my house was twisting. So I can't imagine what a ninety would feel like. So, um, crazy crazy times. Yeah, luckily you're you're up in hilly country. You don't have to worry about that type of stuff. You just all have a lot of rain and snow. Uh, even have a lot of snow to be honest. It only yeah. snows like once or twice a year. Uh, yeah. Just a lot of rain. Mm. Rain and it's mildly cold. Yeah. In the winter so. anyway. But yeah, that's the couple of soldiers top ten. Uh, we went to a couple of tangents along the along the mm-hmm. way, but uh, as one does. That's that's what's uh, going on with that. Um, the only bit I news this week is not much, but, um, oh, sorry, I, I got distracted by a different headline there. Yeah, no uh, kidding. I was waiting for the the rest of that to hit. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I, I got distracted by uh, another headline on Deadline here when I clicked on it. Uh, so, uh, they've cast uh, Clancy Brown in the Penguin TV show that's coming up as Salvatore Moroni. Ooh. That's a good. That's a good casting. Yeah, I like. I like. Uh, Obviously, he's no stranger he, to DC because he was yeah. the voice of uh, Lex Luthor, right? And yes, the yeah. Superman the series. series. He's done other voices too, I believe. Uh, he's just one of those guys that's a veteran voice actor. Oh yeah, I'm sure um, he's done a bunch of the animated yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. different characters. But, yeah, but it's most mostly he's Lex, but also he's the Kurgan, right? From from Highlander, he's this big physical presence, which I feels a new take on Sal Maroney. Because Sal's always, to me, seeming like one of those kind of um, slimy type uh, mob characters. Yeah, that's fair. I imagine, though, he's, I mean, his bigger presence has diminished a little mm-hmm. bit because he's gotten older, right? So I I, yeah. I don't know if they're going to go for imposing as much with him. Yeah. Even... But I do feel like that he feels like a guy that could have been the head of a of a squad or something. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so, which, which I like. It, it gives a different vibe to Sal. So... Um, should should be a lot of good. I like I like Cl- uh, Clancy Brown as an actor. Yeah, um, I don't know why I saw him in first. I definitely remember him in Lost. I mean, it's not, it's not a big role in Lost. He's only in a couple yeah. of episodes, but I remember finding him quite memorable in that. And I've seen him pop up in a bunch of things over the mm-hmm. over the years. He's got a very distinct voice, so he, mm-hmm. he kind of sticks out whenever he does pop up. 
But yeah, cool. So yeah, that's, that's cool. It. That's, that's 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 all there is news wise this week. It is a quiet, I'm, quiet week. I'm glad that that Penguin series is still happening, though, because it's probably the I I need to rewatch the Batman, but uh, the Penguin character definitely sticks out um, a lot. So I'm excited to see more of that. Yeah, no, the uh, it, it, it should be interesting. It's kind of in, it's funny how. Obviously, the Batman's not connecting to the greater movie universe that's about to be built, but it's getting its own little TV spin-off, maybe even two. It was because of the, the GCPD one as well. Mm-hmm. So, well, it was a GCPD. I think it's an Arkham show. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's an Arkham show yeah. now, but it, it did start as yeah. the Commissioner Gordon show. It's hard, it's hard to keep that. track of these things. So it is interesting mm-hmm. that the Matt Reeves Batman universe is going to have its own extra little bits of, and pieces tacked onto it. Although... I suspect it obviously will stay within Batman. It'll never go outside into yeah. other corners. It'll always just be other Batman side characters that are in these things. You know, it'd be cool though if they did something like they bring in a Maggie Sawyer for like an episode mm-hmm. from Metropolis. You know, but don't you know she worked in special crimes or whatever, and she's there on you know they're on assignment or something. I think that'd be cool. But I, yeah, I I don't think they're ever gonna go bigger scheme or bigger. You know. Yeah, I, I don't think they're ever going to introduce any other superheroes or anything. I think it's only just mm-hmm. going to be like people from Gotham. And... It, it it would feel like a different world, right? Because it is very grounded. Um, Not that you can't do superheroes. Kind of. But, you know. Yeah. Like, like I could see them doing like some JSA kind of send up to like Wildcat. Like they bring up Ted or something, but you know, who fought in World War Two, but I can't see them doing, like, the Flash Green Lantern. I think it's how you just keep the, the two, because they're going to have a separate Batman that's in the universe, mm-hmm. and that's how you keep them distinct, is that yeah. one is in a world with no superheroes and no superpowers, the other one is in the world with yeah. everything else. Yeah. So, it, it makes some amount of mm-hmm. sense, I guess. Uh, so, uh, I won't talk about this too much because uh, I did a review uh, that will be going out on Patreon like next month, I want to say. Okay. Uh, but I we're doing video game adaptation season on the collector's cut next month, and so we started recording those. And we did for the bonus episode, we did Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li, uh, which has a as a, a small ish. Well, actually, has several DC connections in a way because you've got Kristen Crook from Smallville. In the lead role, yeah. uh, Bison is played by Neil McDonough, who was on Arrow as Damian Dark, and yeah. then not only that, Chris Klein, who played, he was also on. He was um, Cicada. Cicada. I was trying to remember yeah. what his name was. I remember C- the, the the night. That's what this was. Uh, all, all I can hear in my head when I this is uh, every meta will uh, die. Yeah, that's all I can think of. Uh, oh. It is laughably bad, uh, despicably so. Yeah. Kristen Crook uh, was never destined to be a leading actress. No. I'll tell you that right now. Dreadful, yeah. dreadful. Yes. Occasionally watching... funny because it was so yes. bad, but mostly just yes. dreadful. Yeah, I remember watching it once. I got it from the video store, and I remember watching it, being like, "What is this?" Like. It, it's not as fun to watch as the Jean-Claude Van Damme Street Fighter. Oh, the 94 movie is yeah. a masterpiece compared to The Legend yeah. of Chun-Li. Masterpiece. Yep. I mean, you replace Ming-Na Wen as Chun-Li with Kristen Crook. Like, that is, like, the biggest downgrade, yep. like, ever. Sure. But say, say what you want about the 94 movie. Like, they, they had costumes, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Raul Julia as Bison. Like, it's not mm-hmm. a good movie, but at least it's no. gone for the, the, the fun part of it. Yeah, the, I watched it probably 10 years ago at this point, and just thoroughly entertained. I hadn't watched it since I was a kid. And like, yeah, it's not a good movie. I would never say that, but entertaining and good are, are you know, two different things. So... I mean, Bison um, just wears a business suit in Legend of Chun-Li. Mm-hmm. It's like a shame to be a video game movie. Yeah. It's trying to avoid doing anything that reminds you of the video game at all costs. I remember Chris Klein being in there, but I forgot about... Uh, forgot Neil McDonough, because he was yeah. all over those mid-2000s as, as the, you know, always the bad guy. That was the thing. I was surprised of uh, how old it was technically because mm-hmm. I, I for some reason i thought it was like more like 2013 2014 but it's no, it was 2007 or 8 right no 2009 is when it came out oh but that was that was mu- that was earlier than i thought i thought it was much yeah. more recent than that so I, I was like i think that's part of just like getting a little bit older and into my my uh, mid-30s here is that i'm occasionally surprised how long it's been since certain things yeah uh, pretty much anything in the mid-2000s like i'm shocked to realize is like hitting 16 17 years old at this point and i'm like no mm-hmm. what the hell where did all the time go but, yep yeah so yeah what other what other movies are you covering on this video game uh unless that's something to be revealed over no, time no no it's, it's uh it's relatively common knowledge uh so uh we did the we did the street fighter movie the the, the first one uh mm-hmm. we're doing Super Mario Brothers 93. That was uh, my question. We'll be doing the new animated Super Mario Brothers. Uh, mm-hmm. So it'll all come out week to week to week. We'll, we'll have recorded right. the rest of the episodes long before we record that one, though, because we can't right. obviously do that until it's out in theaters. Uh, and then we had a vote for the last movie, which ended up being Uncharted, which I'm not looking forward to watching, if I'm perfectly look, honest. Look, if it means anything to, to from someone that hasn't played the game, the movie was all right. You know, um, that's Mark that Wahlberg, though. Yeah, but Tom Holland also is very charismatic, which I don't know. I don't know anything about Drake as a character, um, but it was it was pretty all right. Like, it wasn't great. I'm glad I didn't go to the movie theater to see it. But, you know, watching uh, it on Netflix on an afternoon. Pretty good. I'm going to hate it. I know I'm going to oh, hate it. Oh, you probably it. will. You probably I, will. I love those um, characters. It's baffling to me. Did you guys already cover the the last Tomb Raider? Is that why you're not covering that one? No, no. So that's just because there's, there's three of those, so that can be its own trilogy, effectively, at some point. Gotcha. So you know, we we really wanted to do four. We weren't doing like a huge long season. Gotcha. Uh, we're just mm-hmm. wrapping up, but while I'm plugging, uh, by the time this goes out, the last episode of uh, live action Ninja Turtles season will have wrapped up. Mm-hmm. So I had never watched the two Bay Turtles movies, uh, so. Plenty of thoughts on those in those episodes. Yep. So, you know. Uh, although, the Bay Turtles, the first one actually is directed by someone much worse than Michael Bay. No, everyone yeah. always forgets that, but the director yeah. of Darkness Falls is the one behind that. Yes. Uh, and then we're doing the John Wick movies uh, after that. That's starting yes. next week. So. Oh, man, I'm so excited for four. I am... I'm a little tepid because I think... Some of three was not good, and I'm a little, yeah. I'm a little concerned that four is almost three hours long. I'm concerned about that too, but I thoroughly enjoyed two for opening up the whole world. Oh, so two is the best this, one. Two, two is easily yeah. the best one. So, so hopefully this this is more of two than three. So I don't um, know. If, the, yeah. the trailers got him in the desert at one point, and I hated yeah, that I stuff. I know. I got I got a little bit of. Uh, 
of, of PTSD from that desert stuff. Um, but yes, he, I, the, the thing I love about three though, is he uses a horse to murder somebody. So, you know, that's great. I mean, no, the, the first half hour of three and the last half yeah. hour of three are pretty solid. Yeah. Is the, but the middle yeah. hour is pretty well, rough. Well, I'm saying, that's what I remember the most from that, is, is him slapping the horse and it kicking a dude's head off. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, but that, that comes out later in the month. Um, so I'm excited. It's, it went from like being no movies I was excited about to like a whole bunch in a row. Uh, I got the new Scream next week. That I'm excited for. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot so. of movies out over the next month. Mm-hmm. Actually, just while I'm plugging Collector's Cut, I'm specifically yeah. plugging the Turtles season. Uh, the bonus episode on Patreon that we did for the Turtles movies was the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. animated movie. So some DC related stuff there. If if you if you happen to be a patron for just for this show and didn't realize yeah, there was a review of a, a Batman animated movie up there, uh, go and go and have a look. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Uh, I don't know what started that. Uh, I Comics. Like, no, I wanted to, I w- I to tell you about Legend of Chun-Li. That's what it was. That's right. And Kristen Crook's like... like mm. Clancy Brown led to Kristen Crook, which might be the first time that sentence has been said. So she's got this thing where she's like getting mad like that people are being mugged and she wants to be a vigilante. And she does this like angry, I want to do something face. And it's just like... Mm. Uh-huh. That's why I haven't gone back to watch Smallville because I hated Lana back then. <laughs> and I know, I know through adult eyes now that it is going to be 10 times worse. So my brother started watching the first season and he had a tap out after about eight episodes. And he's like, yeah, man, it is. It does not hold up. He said, that's why I haven't gone back. Uh, yeah, I, so. me and Connor uh, a few years ago now watched and reviewed every episode in season one. And... It was kind of fun, but only from a we're going to sit and take the piss out of this yeah. kind of way. Yeah. Not because it, any of it was really particularly good. So. Um, but yes, uh, in the Always Sunny front, I've made it to uh, the episode where Roddy Piper shows up. Um, so that that was exciting. Um, Is that the one where Frank's like doing wrestling? The, yeah, he's the okay. trash man. And he starts eating trash. <laughs> And uh, I didn't finish the episode because I started to fall asleep on the couch. Um, so I have to go back and finish it. But yeah, seeing Piper on there, you know, after he's been gone for so long now, um, made made me feel weirdly nostalgic. And like, I didn't grow up watching Piper or whatever, but just, you know, knowing him as a character from watching WCW as a kid, you know, uh, being the first, first wrestling show I ever went to was Halloween Havoc. That was him versus Hogan in the cage. You know, it just, it made me feel weird. Like, uh, like why? Why am I getting wistful over you know this man that I've never met? But yeah. Also, big guy doesn't look big uh, in in the wrestling ring, but you put him next to normal people. Oh yeah. The cast of Always Sunny, and he's like a flipping. Oh, uh, Mick Foley's like the same. Wall. Mick Foley doesn't look a tall yeah. guy when he's in a wrestling yeah. ring with other wrestlers, but as soon as you see yeah. him next to normal people, you're like, oh shit, he's like six foot five. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. So yeah, see Piper just tower over Mac. I'm just like, oh my god! And like, I knew Charlie Day was was on the shorter side, but he looks diminutive compared to Piper. So uh, yeah, I'm excited excited for that. But um, but yes, I I can't believe it's taking me this long to get Noah Sunny. So have you got to uh, Dayman versus Nightman yet? Is that? Oh yeah, yeah, we have okay. the whole production okay. of, of the of the stage show. 
Hello. You'll probably um, get ahead of me, so I've only watched the first seven seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're on five right now. So. And there, it's, it's been going on so long now, there's actually more of it that I've not seen that I have right. seen at this point. Yeah. So, and my brother says that, like, because he says that he's going to try to track down the Lethal Weapon episodes because those aren't available in streaming for reasons. Um, but he says those are, like, the best ones because um, they're so funny. Um, but I don't know what seasons those came up in, but he's insisting upon it. So, I so this is a, Always Sunny is a show that he watches to go to bed because he's seen all the seasons numerous times. So, mm. you know, yeah. But, you know, like everyone else has been telling me to watch him for a while and, you know, my stubborn self, you know, uh, 20, 2023 decided to be the year finally. That show's been going so long that the first several seasons are in 4x3. Yeah. <laughs> That's how long that show's been going at this point. As uh, Matt's got an intruder in the house. Yeah, no, I think she's just barking at the dog, or at the cat. Yeah. They had to go get the uh, gr groom today, so they're not very happy. Uh... And <laughs> she looks like my fluffy dog starting stuff with the cat, because she has a death wish. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the comics then, shall cool. we? Uh, we got some interesting ones to talk about. We'll start with Detective Comics 1069. Uh, Ram V rating with a trio of artists on this issue. Mm -hmm. We got Dexter Soy, Stefano Raphael, and Miguel Mendoncha. So, yeah. yeah. I, I will feel that the art is really balanced throughout. Like, it, it's not that it's done, like, per story, but it does meld. All the styles kind of meld together pretty well. So it wasn't very distracting for me, uh, despite having three. Yeah, it's kind of a... So, because I, I was like... I went into this issue not really remembering exactly where we left off last time, and I was like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. Ten-Eyed Man. That's right, Two-Face yeah. brought Batman to the Ten-Eyed yeah. Man. And I will say, I was a little underwhelmed by what that turned into being. It was just kind of like a, you know, a two-page spread where Ten-Eyed Man just kind of, you know, cryptically looks with one eye to towards different things so one eye sees the boy yeah. crying one eye sees mm -hmm. you know the, the the demonic bat one eye sees you know a man who thinks he's a city you know it was, it was like let's just do some cryptic analysis of batman through the ten iron man's lens right but what made that work for me was harvey being like dude you're weird get get out of here <laughs> like just just having this whole thing which i feel like under a different writer you know we would have had to take his you know this mystical, you know, we're, we're dealing with demons and stuff is we should take Ten-Eyed Man seriously. And then to have Harvey just be like, all right, what are you doing, weirdo? Um, Not just that, he threatens to shoot him if he doesn't yeah. shut up. Yeah, right. so, um, mm. And then he makes it clear to Batman that uh, Harvey's like told him who he is. He calls him Bruce a couple times and uh, basically says he'll come after everyone he cares about if he uh, tries to like, not even come after him necessarily, just if he tries to ever separate him. yeah two-face yeah. from harvey if he ever tries to like, get rid of the two-face persona right. uh he'll retaliate so um so don't let my my male negativity of that that yeah. opening uh stuff cloud the rest mm -hmm. of the issue because i do actually think the rest of the issue has some great stuff in it and yeah. i love i love that with harvey though because we've gotten so many of the stories of bruce being like the good man's still in there we can get him out so i, I do like this is ram v throwing the gauntlet down to you know editorial or other writers and be like look he knows who bruce is and you know let's stop trying to quote fix two-face let's just let this run out and play with that idea of 
of Harvey versus Two Face. You know, let them coexist, and and I like that a lot in the meta sense. Hmm. Uh. So, Batman obviously flees. Uh. We see later on that um the Argums are here. They're they're tracking Batman down. They know he's he was here. They know there was a fight. He couldn't be far. All that stuff. Um, Gordon's looking for Batman because no one's seen him in a couple of days and mm-hmm. he's getting worried. He's, he's on the phone to Barbara and then Batman just shows up at his place. Uh, he comes back here for, for you know, respite, basically, mm-hmm. uh, to get away from everything. Uh, well, the Argums are plotting their domination of Gotham. Arzen's getting very testy about it. He's like, yeah. we're going to, you know, put, build our army all throughout the city. We're going to replace the buildings with our own structures throughout the city to sort of slowly take it over basically kind of consume it and yeah you know like well again this is where i I like that issue from the annual that you know that there's something about gotham that they're trying to stamp out you know and by by you know building their own buildings and putting their own people there that's the only way they'll be able to fully get control um and it's kind of this colonial sense right yeah like you know um and so and just the idea to like these buildings are going up so fast. Like, all I could think of was like, well, they can't be sturdy. You know? Like, I know the organs have a lot of money. <laughs> That's but... what your mind was going to, the structural yeah. integrity of some of these buildings. Yeah, because, like, I don't know, I feel like there, there's commentary on that, of, like, this, you know, these people that come into these neighborhoods and they don't, you know, they just care about turning them around to making them look nice. Like, they're not, they don't actually care about changing the neighborhood. They just do it superficially. And that's kind of, I feel like, what the Orgums are, are thinking that they're doing. You may be on but, something, but I just kind of I mean? read it as comic book speedy-uppiness. Well, that, that, that probably serves both, right? Yeah. But, like, I feel like with Ram B and, and what he said in Swamp Thing, it's not too far off. Um, uh, you know. Okay, okay. So, uh, but, um, well, the other, but thing, yeah. the other thing here, though, that's interesting is uh, talking about Batman as if he's addicted to the city and that he will come to them. All they have to do is wait because he's addicted to saving the city. He's addicted to being this mm-hmm. persona um, in the city. Um, you know, or even if I thought about Gotham being cut off from her addiction to the, the weirdos right. and to Batman. So it's kind of an interesting idea. They, they're talking about curing the city as if it's actually got a... A sickness. A sick, yeah, like an actual yeah. literal which, sickness. Which, right again, which goes back to that annual that this thing has always been going on, and it's it's been keeping the organs away. But now this is their time to strike. You know, and the Batman's weak right now. They're the Dark Knight, if you will. Um, so this is their time. Uh, which, which again, when you look back at the Ten-Eyed Man and what he was saying about you know the boy crying out, and then the man that thinks he's a city, you know, it's all of that stuff that makes Batman Batman, right? Um, and this is like the Orgums trying to break away from that, and I think they'll find out that Gotham doesn't go down easy. Well, I, th- I think it's more in depth than that. I, th- I think it's tackling this idea that they're they're viewing these elements as a sickness, and what they're not seeing is that a character like Batman is kind of the strength that's that's formed out of hardship, right? It's just, you know, mm-hmm. something bad happened and it, be- it created this thing as a way to survive. Is you know, so if you look at it from a city perspective. It's almost like if the city is like a, a living entity, right? And the people mm-hmm. and the buildings and the roads are all like its body. Then right. like Batman's the antibody that was created yeah. to, to fight back against He's part of that immune everything. system. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's an interesting 
way of looking at it, uh, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we cut to Montoya, uh, who's being very conflicted about everything that's going on. She, like, you know, the, the, the guy's telling her, hey, like, crime's down, like, things are getting better. Mm-hmm. But she's like, nah, but there's something not quite right about it. There's something fishy about all this. Uh, to to the point where you know, she's not trusting that the organs are doing something that's good for everyone that they're building this new because you know this other cop brings up that oh the building that has been built over Arkham's old grounds is this mm-hmm. new shiny building full of glass windows it's a bright right. sunny thing it's the opposite of Gotham it's opposite of Gotham right which again it feels like a you know the the it's like when you get sick right it's that it's that lead point. You know, it's the, the point of entry. It's it's not right. I also like that Montoya goes to her desk, right? And and, and what do we see in there? I would see her question outfit. She's considering yeah. doing all. Well, I think this this fit, fits back into what we we're just saying about Batman being an antibodies. Mm-hmm. Um, this cop saying to Montoya that if you don't start to embrace the good things that are changing, you won't be in this job for very long. And she says, "You know, is that a threat?" And he's like, "No, it's just a fact." But mm-hmm. I think this is this idea of, like, when weirder things come to threaten Gotham, one of the things that Montoya does is become the question. That's something that's right. now part of her character. So the idea that she even contemplates and just looks, I mean, maybe she'll put it right. on, maybe she won't. The right. fact that the fact that Ram V's introduced it makes me think she probably will at some point. Yeah. But, you know, the, the fact that she's even considering that is this idea that, yeah, Gotham does have this, like, uh, resistance to mm-hmm. to these bigger forces. That said, though, favorite part of the issue is after this it's uh of course gordon with batman um and they're doing this thing where they're it makes me think of an episode of mr robot uh, it also makes mm-hmm. me think of the end of paris texas but so gordon's like sitting with his back against the door on one side batman's in i assume the bathroom or whatever and he's sitting against the door on the other side and they're just having a conversation batman's unmasked but obviously they're in different rooms and gordon's talking about hey you know i patched you up and you know i helped you um but, you know, you had a lot of wounds. Like, this must be the closest you've ever been to the edge. This is, you know, how many times have you almost died? How many times have you been on the brink of absolute disaster? And he's like, well, it's not too much for the Batman. You know, I can do it. And he's like, yeah, that's the myth, but what about the man? And so one of the things I love here in the art, before I even get to my favorite moment, is when Gordon is sort of making this little speech about how everything that he's lost in this city, his marriage, his kids, everything, like what is it taking from you? Like, all these things you've been doing for the city all these years, you must have lost stuff. You must... What has it done to your body? What has it done to your life? And I love that when he says, you know, your soul, or what what does it do to a soul, that's where you get the uh, the shot of the, the Barbados-looking demon that's, like... Mm-hmm. It's actually in the background of the whole page, like, behind the panels, but the actual key part of the face is in the empty gap of where one of the panels would be, just as he says the word soul. And mm-hmm. I thought that was quite interesting, the idea that Instead, I mean, obviously, you literally, well, depending on how you feel about what a soul is, I suppose, but, mm-hmm. like, it's not so much that he literally doesn't have a soul, but it's more the idea that, like, there's this kind of, like, unforgiving creature that's there instead, and that's kind of how the Argums see him. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see if this is kind of, like, a, a story about Batman coming to self-realize kind of who he is in his place, that, you know, he's not just a demon, he is a person uh obviously he does do all these things but there's more to him than just that whereas all the organs see is this you know i won't say creature but this this you know entity this demon yeah Yeah. this thing yeah and they're going around and they're making people their demons and it's almost like he's this one that can't they can't control 
because Barbados is this uh, this this cosmic entity almost, and it's this, and it's not just I'm not reading it as uh, Barbados, right? As you know, from Dark Crisis and all this other stuff. I'm reading it that um, not Dark Crisis, Death Metal, um, from Death Metal is like that is Bruce's like the will of Gotham that, that Bruce believes in, right? Is that he's doing stuff for the betterment of the city. Um, and, that, and that's of course, his constant he, drive. He sees that as a right. giant bat because he's Batman. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, you know, and, and to other people, that's a problem. But to Bruce, that's, you know, that's him. Yes, father, I'll become the bat, right? That's him talking to the city and, you know, all the other stuff Ten Eye Man was talking about at the beginning. And, you know, he's a man of many faces. He's not just Bruce Wayne and Batman, right? Well, here's, so, the, here's my favorite part right. of the whole scene is uh, we get to a page after that soul comment where we, we're just on Gordon's side of the door or the wall. And he's, he says, Barbara, you need to go talk to Barbara because she knows some stuff, whatever. But then he talks about, you know, I'm just worried as he's drinking his booze. He's like, I'm worried that, you know, no one's looking out for the man behind the mask. Um, you know, someone should be looking out for you. And he goes... And we get, we get a sort of closer, it was in closer to his face as he says, you hear me, Batman? And what's so beautiful about this is that I think the audience is going to think the same thing that Gordon's about to say, which is, oh, he's batman away, because that's what he always does. He always leaves yeah. the scene, you know, as Jim's still talking, and it's like a fun little moment, right? And then he says, ha, you're not even there, are you? I'm just, you know, an old man talking to himself. And then you turn the page... And Batman's standing there listening. He just doesn't respond. And then, you know, he mm-hmm. quietly puts on his cowl and, and leaves. I thought that was a beautiful moment. Like, the friendship between Batman and Gordon is always, like, something that's uh, been endearing about Batman yeah. as a character. And I think this, like, sort of just quiet, like, moment of him listening to what Gordon's saying, but not responding. And Gordon just thinking, oh, he's disappeared like he always does. I, I found that actually quite touching. Uh, yeah, well, because it's just that he, he is there just, like, Gordon's always there for him, right? And and like why he still plays this mysterious part. Well, you even that even this symbolism in the in the scene of mm-hmm. he's got his cowl down as he's listening to him, but yeah. then he puts on the cowl and becomes Batman again to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once again, he's kind of he's hearing what he's saying, but he immediately just sort of hides again behind the cowl and be, you know, yeah. he, he, you know Gordon's saying, "Don't forget about the man under the mask," and Batman has this moment of contemplation and he looks like he's he's listening to him but then he, he still he still chooses because he feels he has to he has to go be batman right. to save the city because that's who he is that's, that's who he's always been mm-hmm. but i don't know i just thought it was quite touching i thought it was really well done with the two pages where one's just on gordon's side of the wall then the other one's on batman's side as he's leaving uh yeah it was my, my favorite moment of the book for sure it it's up there with the you know i never said thank you and you know you never have to um I feel like that, that's one of those moments there, you know? So, yeah. and uh, it's nice because, um, you know, Gordon's not part of the police force anymore, right? Like, he's an independent citizen, yet he still is doing what's right, you know, and he feels that that's, you know, assisting Batman when he needs to, you know, give him a, a place to, to crash right now. Um, and just, you know, you know, talking to him. Because, you know, we, we don't have Alfred, like, but not, not that... Gordon knows all this, right? But this is a very vulnerable Bruce. It's been since Ram V has taken over. Yeah. So it's nice that Bruce has this person that is looking out for him, looking for the person in the suit. Well, I, yeah, I think, I think that's the thing, is that Gordon doesn't know that Batman's lost someone that mm-hmm. 
was the like Alfred was the one who was there for the guy behind the mask. And Gordon mm-hmm. doesn't know that he's lost that person in his life. But from right. our perspective, we understand why Batman is going to Gordon more than he maybe did before because he's yep. the closest thing he has to an Alfred right now is Gordon. Right. Um and who who knows? Like I'm not saying that he should like reveal his identity and like he yeah. can he can become more of a full time Alfred type character, but it wouldn't be the weirdest like step forward if they did pull that move off. Like I'd understand the logic to it. And mm-hmm. you know, he's not you know, like you say he's not commissioner anymore. Right. Uh, if he did learn he already knows who Barbara is, if he did learn that Bruce was Batman and mm-hmm. maybe learned that he needs someone like this in his life and that he could fill that role. It mm-hmm. like I'm not saying they should do it. But it, right. it wouldn't bug me. I'd understand no, it. It would make because sense. It, it's, because it's one of the things that it's earned. You know? It's been this relationship over time. And then especially here, the way that Ram V's been writing Gordon. You know, just the fact, like, when he pulled him out of the river and he kept the cowl on until he could rehabilitate. I mean, you know, like, I'm not, Gord- say, I'm not saying Gord- he's building to it, but yeah. if we look back later on and we realize this was all mm-hmm. building to batman are masking to garden and garden kind of becoming yeah. the new alfred for him i would say the seeds are there for it i'm not saying that i'm yeah. putting money on it but yeah it could be there but yeah but i just like it though because it's one of those things that shows respect that that gordon even though he could you know find out who batman is i don't think he cares you know because whoever the man batman is that's who gordon works with you know it doesn't change anything mask or not Oh, of so, course, yeah. I, I don't know, think he does like, care. Um, and, and I like that. I like that with Gordon. It's just a logical thing that if he's going to become the new Alfred, effectively, he would just naturally have to know. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he doesn't care. It, it never mattered to him before. It shouldn't matter now. Um, although I'm sure there will be a few things that click in. He's like, ah, some things make sense all of a sudden. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so yeah, Bab- Babs has got info for Batman. She's talking about how she's looking at the, the lines beneath the city and how, you know, where Freeze was hiding, the fact that Freeze and the werewolf and Batman all ended up in the same place at the same time. Um, and basically says she sent Cass down to investigate. So we get Cass going full ninja, crawling, you know, Spider-Man style across the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see that the Argums are kidnapping the... Uh, you know, mostly the poor, the homeless, the delinquents, and notably amongst them we see Shoes. Uh, not surprising, this is a thing writers do. Shoes was a character that Ramvee was writing in Catwoman. It makes sense yeah. that he's he's dipping into some of the same characters again. Uh, so, uh, the, the only other complaint I have about the issue, because I, I love a lot of what's in this. Everything with Batman and Gordon was was great. I loved the entire scene. Um, I love some of the Two-Face stuff. I like seeing Shoes again. But I will say that the ending did feel quite abrupt because it you know it cuts down yeah. here. We see Shoes running away and making her escape, and then the cliffhanger is just that Grundy's down in the tunnels. She runs into him. Yeah. So, uh, and he's probably going to end up bashing a bunch of the the uh, the Argum soldiers, which the, you know, the cool. Asmers, yeah. yeah. Which I did like that scene early on too. I think it's early on of of um, them kidnapping that one guy. Right and and forcing him to become one of their demons, and I thought that was super creepy. Yeah, that's the same scene where uh, Arzen goes on his speech about yeah going over Gotham, yeah. But it's super, it's super creepy, and it just you know, and so to see shoes and and they're rounding up all these people off the streets, and you know, of of course one of Catwoman's strays would be in that roundup, right? So, uh, her being introduced into this and adding just uh, you know another player to Batman's side. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think it's nice, yeah. Um, also, I wonder how 
the grand scheme of Gotham is because you know that Grundy's, you know, I don't know exactly when Grundy started, but he's inexorably tied to to older Gotham and, and Slaughter Swamp. So I wonder how much of that's going to play into the oh, Asmers yeah. and him. That's that's a good you point. Know. Maybe maybe that's something they'll have to contend mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a good point. Um, yeah. No, I think it's a really good issue. I just I just thought a little bit of the uh, like the, the Ten Eyed Man stuff at the start. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't in love with, and then I thought it ended a bit abruptly. But like other than that, like I really loved the issue. Yeah. Uh, I thought the scenes with Batman and Gordon were exceptional and. I think one of my favorite things that this book has done, and I mean Detective by Ram V, is just how it's been handling the character of Two-Face and how it's been handling the character of Batman. Especially mm-hmm. now, I think these last couple issues really lent more into Batman himself. Because before it felt yeah. like he was he was kind of there, but it was introducing the villains, it was introducing what was going on with Two-Face. Here it really feels like it's doing some really great character stuff with him. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and the fact, that, and I think this conversation was 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 just good at highlighting that. Oh, there's a lot of yeah. interesting things that play beneath the surface here. Uh, mm-hmm. No pun intended, because they're talking about beneath the city a lot in this. But well, yeah, too, you know, but but beneath the surface of all of these characters as well, that seems to be the uniting factor of someone like Two Face and Bruce and even Gordon and Montoya is who are they really, you know. So, and who is Gotham, really? Um, I, I, I like that whole through line that's been going on through MV's run. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if, I, if I was to kind of like, you know, obviously I've made some ballsier potential predictions in this uh, review, but if I was to make a more, I think, broad one that I think is more likely to just be the case is the idea that, you know, ultimately realizing that, you know, Gotham has made Batman and made these other characters like Gordon and like, Montoya, who's the question, and mm-hmm. these other weirder characters, the weirdness of Gotham is kind of going to turn out to be its strength, and ultimately, mm-hmm. what is able to fight something, this outside force that has this, like, almost fascist idea of, of what the perfect Gotham yeah. supposed to be. So, you know, some interesting stuff. Uh, yeah, art, the art is, is mostly good. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's the first time, I think, in Ram V's run where it's been more than one artist, so interesting to look at obviously it gets away with it a little bit because we have the different segments that kind of split it up mm-hmm. it doesn't feel too disjointed uh no not at all but uh yeah oh so are you given uh, I'm, gonna give, I'm gonna give this an eight yeah i think i'm gonna go uh, there's some stuff in it i really loved but i had a couple of nitpicks at the start and the end so i'm going to pull it down to the eight overall but uh really good stuff enjoying the run a lot uh yeah it's, it's definitely hitting with me more than the batman book is right now yeah so yeah i'll agree there cool all right action comics 1052 philip k johnson writing with Rand- rafa sandoval on the art uh so obviously we had the big fight at the new uh steel tower is that what it was called yeah, the steel works steel works tower uh yeah. so we can't pick off right where that left off with metallo still around Mm-hmm. And the super family dealing with it. Uh, your your lame super character Connor Kent uh, got his ass hey, whipped. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Superman has to go uh, finish the job, uh, which he does in fairly spectacular fashion by freezing him and then punching him to the moon. Uh, so I love that. I I like, figured you probably would. Yeah, I also love in the fight with Metallo, his body is peeling like a Terminator. Oh yeah, he, he gets punched in the good... face. Yeah, and half of his like cheeks just gone. Yeah, 
Which so, made me kind of laugh because like he just got this body. Like that yeah. was just like last issue. He got this new. Well, and just the fact that you know that he's doing this because he's under duress. He's not, you know, there's not crazy Metallo. Um, and you well, know, like, this issue maybe goes some places with that idea, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like at this point, he's still, you know, being put upon to do all of this, and um, you know, just he gets. He gets his his ass beat by the super family and then throws it and thrown into space. So you know, um, you know, good good teamwork. I'm glad Connor's okay though. You know, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I I do love that this book's more of a super family book now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even though there's a lot of them <laughs> when we go to the apartment yeah. and they're all sort of sitting, hanging out together. Uh, but they're watching uh, Lex News and whatnot, and they're trying. To Ah, the the alien menace, the 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 war zones are the danger to society. All that. Yeah, was it the the blue blue earth? The blue movement? earthers. Gets, yeah, gets brought up. Which the so. the blue earthers like clearly is inspired by the flat earthers, which is yeah. kind of funny to me. Uh, I, I I do enjoy the uh mm-hmm. the reference to it. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, so we have some fun stuff here. Uh, we get a little bit of the. Uh, Lois and Clark raising these two kids in the middle, mm-hmm. and by that I mean just them like getting their teeth brushed, going to bed, that kind of stuff, and, uh, and reminding them, you know, how to essentially not how to be civilized. That's rude, but like, you know, they don't have to live like they did. They can be comfortable, and you know, it's taking some adjustments because there's one panel. I think I think it's uh, oh, I don't know their names, but the girl, right? She sleeps with like blankets, like chains. Or towels yeah. or whatever. Uh, it is. And they're also hands. sleeping on the floor as well because they're not used uh-huh. to a bed. Uh, right. Which is. It's, yeah. just, it's just heartbreaking. Um, which, which I, you know, I like that Kenny Johnson's making us feel, you know, these emotions for these two kids. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I've, I've heard of, uh, you know, pe- you know, people in the military or whatever not, not mm-hmm. being comfortable with a regular bed for a while when they. Because well, it's too soft yeah. compared to what they're used to. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that, that that's, feels like it's based on some, some truth there. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's all very fun and lighthearted, and kind of, you know, ha- has a an air of what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, it, it feels like they're there's levity. They're they're doing a good job looking after the kids, and none of it ever feels like depressing or dark. It's all just about right. giving them a, a nice, safe, comfortable place to actually kind of like adjust and become who they're yeah. going to be. And yeah, let let the kids be the kids right now. And, and what it you does know. as well is that it, it it allows us this couple of new viewpoints to like do other things through. For example, them asking Clark why he wears glasses or things like that. Just like we get like this new viewpoint or a new question into the onto the mythology of Superman, where it's like, wait, why do you do this and this, you know, now? And it's we've got kind of a different context here. I particularly enjoyed the kids saying, you know, asking about that, and then Clark's like, no, actually, Clark Kent's the name I kind of associate, you know, I identify with the most because that's the one that I was actually raised with. Uh, Superman's the name that Lois gave me, and then there's you know the little joke where the girls like she calls you Smallville. Well, she calls me that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like that. I like that little section. Yeah. So that, um, that entire getting ready for bed uh segment, I think, was is a lot of mm-hmm. fun, and it contrasts really nice because the very next couple of pages is the flashback of Metallo's childhood, also with his sister. This this is the sort of thing I didn't realize that doing the Metallo stuff with the brother and sister was going to mirror with the Kryptonian kids. Yeah. But this was yeah. this was good storytelling because immediately it was like, ah, I see what you're doing, Johnson. I see what you're doing, you sly bugger. Yeah, yeah it was a nice turn, you yeah. know, of, of the story. Uh, so, yeah, we see that, uh, 
you know, he's the big brother, she's the little sister, uh, their uncles bring their dad back one night, they've clearly killed someone, or at least injured someone, and they ask him as a young boy to go and get rid of a gun, because, you know, he'll mm-hmm. be less suspicious, I guess. Uh, go throw this into the, the river as far as you can. Yeah, and his uncle says, mm-hmm. if you ever tell anyone about this, I'll kill you. So that's basically what he says. So, you get, you, it, so, so no matter what we get for the rest of the story, there's a level of sympathy, or at least empathy, with this empathy. character, because yeah. it was like, okay, He's a product of a very, very poor upbringing, and the people yeah, around him. Yeah, it's kind of it reminded me of like Captain Cold too. You know? Oh, a little bit. Yeah. Um, the stuff that he dealt with with his dad and why family is so important to him. You know, as he was always the defender for his sister and uh, against that, that, his dad. That, yeah, Captain Cold also, of course, has the sister as well, which is a right a constant like thing that's brought right. up. Uh, and so Metallo wakes up in space and his ace breaks off, and then he starts to see. His sister is a hologram, as if she's the one that's been beamed to him mm-hmm. now instead of Lex. Uh, but there's a couple of red flags here, I think, to the reader, which is she's like, oh, Superman's taking me somewhere because he's worried that, you know... Because I, I I got a little confused by one of the, the, the lines. Because I thought she was, she was trying to say that Lex put her somewhere so that mm-hmm. Superman couldn't find her. But it sounded like she's saying Superman did it. And then the more I read, I was like, no, she did say Superman. That's what she meant. Mm-hmm. Because this is like this, so we have to kind of go forward to the next bit to explain mm-hmm. this. So basically, Superman mentions that he checked in on Lex because during the fight at the start of the issue, at one point, Metallo does actually say something to Lex out loud. And obviously, uh-huh. you're thinking, oh, well, at least some of them heard that. They've got super hearing, like someone heard mm-hmm. him talking to Lex. But they're talking about it later on after they put the kids to bed, and Clark's like, I looked in on Lex uh, when he was talking to him, and Lex was sitting in his prison cell. Because I was actually, because I was getting ready to nitpick a little bit, not not in a big way, but I was coming into this when I was halfway through the issue. Uh, before we got to this, like he's sitting in prison moment, I was like, "How does this remotely line up with what's happening in Superman right now?" Because right. Lex is in prison and he's not going after Superman at all. I mean, maybe he's secretly going after Superman, but he's more right. trying to uh, give him the company to help him. Right now, obviously. Right. Both books don't have to be completely concurrent, but it's so different. If you know, if, yeah. if if here he's like hiring Metallo to try and kill him, versus you know, and uh, Superman where he's like pretending to be his friend and like giving him mm-hmm. the company and all that. So I was getting ready to say it's not a big deal, but like these two don't line up at all right now. And then it gets to this page where Superman's like, no, he's in he's in prison cell, and he wasn't talking to him when Metallo was talking to someone. So whoever he's talking to, it's not Lex. It's, and yeah. immediately. I went, I thought about it and went, did Lex ever talk to him in person? Since he started being teased, it was always nope. a hologram in his head or a voice in his head, wasn't it? Was it was always a voice in his head. It was a voice in his head at first, right? And we thought they were talking through the prison, um, right? And then now when you look back and think about it, it's like, well, no, it was always in his head because remember, until he got the upgrades, he was kind of just like a shell, right? He was just kind mm-hmm. of sitting there. So where did he get these upgrades from? Well, that, that, okay, there's a couple of good questions here. Yeah, is where did he get the upgrades? Um, who is actually talking to him? If it is mm-hmm. someone else pretending to be Lex, or is it just a voice in his head? The fact that right. his sister's now talking to him in his head like this makes me think it is just in his head, and it yep. also makes me question: was his sister always just in his head? That said, though, the guards mm. at the prison did talk about the fact that his sister usually comes in, and now she's not, right. which makes me think that her not showing up like, on the last time, which is what convinced him to go full villain, 
was just her not showing up like for whatever reason like she's choosing not or, to go see him anymore or, or it's who's ever posing as lex because i still feel like if they're using lex's voice right they would still try to use Metallo's sister against him. Yeah, you could be you know, right. So- I think that's slightly less interesting to me than the sad truth that she's just like doesn't want mm-hmm. to like spend time with her weird robot mm-hmm. brother anymore. Because I think that yeah. could be quite heartbreaking when he finds out that she's still yeah. she's fine. She's not in trouble at all. She just stopped showing up. It mm-hmm. would be kind of a a big I, character or, moment or for him. It would be if she's in on it, right? You know, nah, like, I don't know. But- if, I don't like that. Or if she, you know, that she's part of this this Blue Earth movement because of all the stuff that Superman, you know, all the stuff that he stands for and has led her brother to get into trouble or whatever. But that doesn't really gel. I think that's her. less interesting. Like yeah. her, her well, being I don't know vi- if it also gels with what we've seen about her showing up to hang out with her brother. Yeah, her, 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 being, going on. her being villainous is less interesting mm-hmm. uh, to me. Like, I, I think it's far more interesting if she either just chose to stop coming... Other mm-hmm. things got more important, which is just kind of sad and kind of a forgetful way. Or yeah. maybe something bad did happen, but it was just a, a you know she's in a car accident a or something, yeah, right. uh, and has nothing to do with like any threats yeah. or anything like that. And it's all just paranoia in Metallo's head. It does leave the question: is where did he get the fancy body? Uh, well, but... and this is where we get the conversation with the kids also that they ask if he's unmade. And oh then, yeah, yeah. We need to. Yeah, that when, was a really good point. Yeah, because they're asking about they, Metallo. Yeah. Yeah. So they they ask if he's an unmade and and Superman well, it, thinks it's, that, well, it's it's after Superman and Steel explain what Metallo was. What Metallo talk, is to they, them. They talk right. about how he was a person. He got injured, mm-hmm. and he's basically just like a husk left in this metal body. Now he's just like a brain with a right. metal body, and they go, "Oh, he's an unmade," which I thought was a really smart yeah. little writing touch because uh-huh. it, it was like, "Oh, that brings." That's like it, it obviously it references the previous big arc that Johnson just did in a cool mm-hmm. way, which is nice. But it also makes these kids feel more three dimensional to me because mm-hmm. it just it, it they viewed it through their lens and it felt very mm-hmm. natural because it would make sense that they would see it that way given where right. they came from and what they've grown up with. And this is where I give I give Sandoval credit is the the face the face of Clark when they tell him that it like it clicks and, and he's you like, can see it. You know what? Like, kinda, yeah, kinda yeah, isn't unmade. Is, you know, and then so and and now that makes me wonder about the, you know, the ties of of War World to this, you know, Blue Movement to the Blue Earth Movement, you know, because we'd already had that, you know, wrap up of uh, what's his name, um, he was Mongols like right hand, the um, sad, the huh, the sad, no, no, that, oh, that's sad. not. Mo- that's, that's, that's Dark Sides, dude. Yeah, that's Dark Sides, right here. But the guy who's very much like the said, he was the oldest War Zone, right? Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and they had all that stuff with Supergirl uh, as a backup. So I I'm, know, I'm almost. I, I'm not convinced that the Blue Earthers. Like, I, I, I still yeah. think the Blue Earthers are just a reaction to. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a natural, just like human reaction that's happening yeah. to what's going on. Um, but I do think you might be onto something that something left over from war world yeah. is what's doing it to, uh, who, who, who's given metallo the the, the body right. and who's maybe either pretending to talk to him or at least capitalizing on him going more paranoid and yeah. crazy and like talking to a voice in his head whatever you know it turns out to be i right. do think yeah i think what's it even like, even if there's not a direct tie to it i love that this idea of the war zones who are on on earth are creating this political backlash of this like you know mm-hmm. this alt-right movement of blue earthers um, but I also 
love the idea that even just the themes of like the, the kids seeing them as an unmade is a really cool way to like keep the yeah. the themes of that story going it, it feels like there's been an impact on the world because of that mm-hmm. story even though we're not in that story anymore yeah, and I, well, I i appreciate that serialized world building and storytelling where everything that just happened still matters even though we're not dealing directly with it anymore comics mm-hmm. all too often um like an old like an old tv show where there's a story every week yeah. we'll just like forget everything else that ever happened and, I, I, and i'm not saying you have to reference them constantly and honestly it no. can be quite forced if they're just awkwardly bringing things up in dialogue all the examples in this issue that we're talking about i think feel very natural and feel like just a part of the world that's been created for this run yeah well and it feels like a larger piece of uh johnson's run in a way is like i don't know how far you got into aaron's thor but you know we got two or three trades worth of stories in and he's referencing back stuff that had happened before you know uh you know character decisions that were made you know in issue six now having an impact in issue 24 or whatever you know um and so yeah it feels like it does in this world it has had an impact you know and just the idea of these refugees coming from war world you know, and of course that causing issues on Earth and, and whatnot. Yeah, to go back you to know, but, uh, Batalo in prison mm-hmm. just for a second, his sister. Yeah. Um, I said that she probably was really there because the guards referenced her. I think the other exa- reason why she was definitely really there before is because one of the, the red flags when he was talking to the hologram mm-hmm. of his sister in this uh, was that she said, oh, you're going to have to kill Superman and all of his family. That did yeah. not feel like the same character who was talking to him in no. the prison. That felt like the real person was there in the prison and then this hologram's in his head. And it's mm-hmm. just, like, the Lex one wasn't working, so it's turned into his sister because that's more personal. Uh, again, yeah. well, well, that's because it's his own psychology doing that to him or if it's, like, an outside force that's changing tactics. You know, could be either. But yeah. uh, I wanted to bring that up. But anyway, the end of the book is that yeah. Metallo... Uh, goes back down to earth he lands next to a group of these uh quote-unquote blue earthers mm-hmm. who want to uh, you know go and blow up more of the building or something like that silly ass armands yeah and nerds they basically take one look <clears throat> at him and say oh you're one of them let's try and kill him and metallo obviously kills like one or two of them he then teleports mm-hmm. the rest of them while they're still scared to his like base or wherever and basically implies at the end here that he's going to turn them into his Metallo family. So, Because as he's pointed out, there's an entire family of super characters now yeah. to fight. So he's going to make a family of Metallos to take <laughs> them all on. So we're definitely building to a giant fight of like, you know, the entire super family versus yeah. all these Metallo... Uh, Metallobots yeah. or whatever so, they're going to be. You know, uh, so I, I think that the genius of the writing in this is that Johnson's made sure that these humans are so unlikable before they become these metallobots uh-huh. that we don't have to feel too much uh, like shame. Or... Yeah, yeah, we can we can relish yeah. in them getting their ass kicked a little yeah. bit. I guess is what I'm saying when when the time yeah. comes. Um, not to say that it would be advan- advantageous to also do like oh it's tragic because they were sympathetic before, but cool. he's going he's Being going that... this way though instead because there's probably yeah. enough meat to the story without adding in that they are also sympathetic. Yeah, I mean, just being the Superman, Superman will try to preserve them. However, if they're too far gone, you know, I, I'm not upset that these are these are the the people of Gotham, right? And Ramby's detective being turned into demons, you know, these are these are no, you know, this is on, very different. Yeah, human supremacists or whatever we're gonna call them, 
Yeah, so, and, and they, you know, and they basically get involved because they immediately try and attack him. So they kind of yeah. put themselves. They, they had it coming. They, yeah, in multiple ways, they put themselves in this position. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they didn't see foresee this outcome, but yeah. you know, it it definitely reminded me of Terminator when you know the punks try to attack Terminator. Oh sure, you know? yeah, I could, I, so, could, I could see that. You know, and knowing knowing you know that pop culture at this moment, but yeah, now that was all very good and yeah, very 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 solid issue. But yeah, the whole. The stuff with the kids and calling him an unmade and Clark, like, it clicking with him. And so he's learning from these kids as much as they're learning from him, you know, through different perspectives. I like that a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed Superman issue one, but I think Johnson's action is still, still better. Mm-hmm. I think this is still the, yeah. the, the premier Superman book right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and this issue just sort of reaffirmed that. I mean, I kind of feel that anyway, but this this issue was like, nah, like yeah, everything I, this is doing and the way it's bringing up, up the things yeah. that it's already done is really smart. Wait, you're, I'm just like, you're telling me I get two good Superman books a month? Yes, we're good. Yeah. I mean, we've had two good ones for a while. That's it. Yeah, but, I'm, but this is like too mainstream. This is not just John. The John book was good, right? But like, <laughs> you know... We're going to get two. I really enjoyed that Superman issue one. Um, but this is just, again, when I say more of the same, it sounds like a slight, but it's not. This is what I come to expect from Johnson. And it's, you know, at this point, it's a, uh, if it does anything less than stellar, it it feels like, and not, not that it makes you feel sad, but, you know, so just a bit well, of a disappointment. That's the but, thing, though. The last couple issues, because mm-hmm. it's changed so much from the War World storyline, it does feel yeah. very fresh and different anyways. Yeah. It's not like it's just still, we're still doing the same type of story yep. either. So it's managed to stay fresh, but keep everything that it did before important as well, which mm-hmm. is, again, I think it's firing in all cylinders, um, and I love this. Uh, I think Sandoval's yeah. art in this main story was uh, great as well. The action at the start... Uh, it was good. You could tell Superman was doing his super breath right before he, he, he freeze mm-hmm. or froze uh, Metallo. Yeah. Um, uh, and the facial expressions too, because there's that scene where they're all hanging out, like, um, and they they talk about that the reason that Lex had Metallo attack Steelworks is because it's taller than Lex Tower. And, like, and so, well, uh, one yeah. of them says, "Is it plausible that he just did that because yeah. it was taller than his tower?" Right. And the Steeler, someone says, "Oh, definitely, yeah, <laughs> definitely." Yeah. yeah, just the look on their faces and everything. And there's a very just a well, even what you a said, natural expression to stuff. You know, yeah, what you, I mean? even you said earlier about when the, the kids said, "Is Metallo mm-hmm. unmade?" Like Clark's expression. Yeah. Sort of did the storytelling there of yeah, like, which huh, you know, which yeah. when it comes to Sandoval, I associate Sandoval, I think, with Green Lanterns and, and Flash, you know, which is a lot more action driven. And the action stuff is good here, but for me, this issue really sings when they're all back at the apartment, you know, talking and you know, going over things. And yeah, that so. was that, those were probably my favorite scenes, but this new wrinkle that's added in because I think we like the idea of Lex, mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Being, the, being the one behind, like, bringing out Metallo and forcing him to do it. But this is actually the sort of thing where it's almost more interesting if this is just either in his head mm-hmm. and he's justifying that he's doing bad things again by making himself think that Lex is doing this. Yeah. Or if there is a third party, possibly someone uh, War World related, that is using him and actually making him a, a literal unmade as well as just him spiritually being mm-hmm. one because that's kind of what he was yeah. anyway. Yeah, so um, I would definitely be more. Uh, everything's in his head, and he's making up it. But he did get upgrades, right? So that, like, that's the only thing that goes against that is that there is yeah. upgrades. Like he did get a a, a, a yeah. body. Uh, yes. So 
So now, now again, we don't know what metallic like. Is it nanite technology? Is it like we don't know right now? You know, because I could see that where he wouldn't realize because he's so disassociated and he was in such a low place and wanted to be left alone in the prison that you know he's he's thought that this is someone else's doing, but it's actually all him. I could see something along those lines, but yeah, you know, we'll see. I'm I'm excited to find out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if it is someone from War World, it wouldn't surprise me if they, the reason why they wanted to attack the tower was kind of what happens as a result. It's basically mm-hmm. it'll be blamed on the war zones. It'll be blamed on the aliens on Earth to stir mm-hmm. up, you know, hatred right. and stir up, like, this this idea of dissent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it could be possible that, you know, someone was pretending to be Lex, communicating with him, and now his sister's yeah. just in his head, and the sister's yeah. not been, you know, that's just all him doing that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still would make sense if it was someone and they've just changed tactic to... Because if they yeah. could pretend to be Lex, they could pretend to be his sister. And yeah, and that, that's where I'm at too. Yeah. Is, is, is there. So, so. Uh, no, great stuff. Uh, I did read one of the backups though, because the... the... I, read, I read both of them, so we'll, we'll oh, go sure. through them real quick. Uh, yeah. yeah, so the the, the John story uh, mm-hmm. uh, by... Uh, what's, what's his face? Dan Jurgens. Uh, with Jurgens with art by Lee Weeks. Lee Weeks. Yeah, Lee Weeks' uh, art is fantastic. Uh, yeah. Which is not surprising to say. Uh, so we ended the last part of the story with John finding a crashed ship and uh, an alien woman comes out uh, and she basically says, take me to your king. And he's like, uh, I don't really have a king per yeah. se, but... Uh, not, not here. It's very good. Like, Earth doesn't have a king, but there are kings on Earth. You know? I'm trying to explain it in a very kid-like manner I liked. Yeah. But uh, she basically wants Superman. She wants to talk to mm-hmm. Superman. And he's like, yeah, I know about Superman. Uh, <laughs> she's, she keeps saying the Kryptonian, I think is the exact yeah. phrase. But uh, he ends up using his powers to like stop her ship from, was it self-destructing or something it, like that? It was, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, beeping. But he obviously damages a lot more than that. And she's kind of you know, like, you just destroyed all the flight controls. Like, yeah. It's kind of done now. Uh, but of course, uh, quite quickly, this uh, robot, looking thing comes up shows up saying uh, so her name's princess gliana and yeah. uh from, he's from play Playon? what's the name of the planet oh, uh, something like that not on this some, page yeah but uh, he's there to take her back to wherever she came from apparently there's some sort of civil war on their planet and he wrote this robot's from the other side of the conflict yep. uh because you know her dad's like fighting for the good side presumably this right. robot's part of the bad guy side and he's there to take her back and try her with uh, treason and things like that. Uh, so they get blasted. A little bit of action here. Uh, it's got like sort of green. It's very, it's very pulpy. He's got green mm-hmm. big beams, tractor beams that pick them up. Uh, John yells for Superman. That's the first time we cut to him in the story. And he uh, flies towards him as Lois gets scared and uh, goes looking for John in the house. Uh, and then it ties into the opening of the story, which is there's a guy in a truck hitchhiking on his way to the Kents. And the end, uh, we find out this is Doombreaker, uh, who's at the door mm-hmm. for lowest degree. Um, yeah. Every issue of this now, I feel like I need to go read that Jurgen story in the special. But then that requires me going, you picking up that Death of Superman special. So, <laughs> Yeah, because I... I like, the completionist of me is... is is crying out, and the other part of me is like, you don't have time for that. Yeah, if I if this so, didn't specifically say Doombreaker, I couldn't have told you who this yeah. was, because I didn't know who Doombreaker was. But Me neither. I did like the beginning of the guy in the truck, like, hey man, you're okay, you look like really sick. 
you know? So, like, his body is going through something. Uh, and then as we see, <laughs> he's, he's looking like Doomsday. Yeah, I think I enjoyed this uh, much like I did the last part, mainly because John's voice. It's nice to have yeah. that kid John back again. And obviously Jurgens is the one who kind of did most of that mm-hmm. stuff. And not all of it. Obviously Tomasi did a lot of it as well. Yeah. But uh, it, it was nice to be back in that part of the world. I do kind of wish it was just a full 20 pages though and that the other backup wasn't there. But obviously that's biased because I don't like the other backup. Or, <laughs> but, you know, they, I, I would like a more significant chunk. But that's just one of the problems I tend to have with backups mm-hmm. in general. Um. Yeah. So, uh, what were, yeah, what was your thoughts on the uh the the Power Girl backup? So the Power Girl one is is that they you know her and Omen have now have this like this therapy center for superheroes and they're talking about like if they really did help Gar or you know if you know because Power Girl's like yeah but like his connection was tenuous at best still and Omen points out there's like well yeah he still has a lot of work to do we're not gonna fix everybody on their first try you know so he you know. This is going to take a little bit. Yeah, maybe they should put him in a sanctuary where he can go and uh, get therapy. And... Yeah. Not that one, though. Well, we'll go to a different one. He's Anybody's a hero not... in crisis, Matt. He needs yes, a sanctuary. Yes. Well, we'll do a titan in danger or something. No heroes in crisis, you know. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, but but Omen feels very comfortable about, like, what they're doing. She's very sure of herself. And then Kara comes in. And Power Girl feels weird because she feels like there's heat between her and Kara because of who Power Girl is. And they, we kind of get confirmation here. I mean, if all, she, the, all the fan fiction the internet setting to go by, yeah. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Yeah, right? Um, but, like, the, like, she feels like, like Kara's the real Kara Zor-El and that, you know, her being from a parallel Earth, she's not the real one. She doesn't, you know feel like part of the super family. She kind of feels like the redheaded stepchild because, you know, she doesn't get the invite to hang out in Metropolis like everyone else does. But Kara comes in and she's talking like gibberish. And it's not like the Kryptonian, like when they use the Kryptonian font uh, for Kryptonese and whatever. And so um, they talk and uh, Omen sits uh, Kara down. and was like, hey, I know you can understand us. You just can't speak. So this is what we're going to do. And, and they go telepathically because she can still communicate telepathically with them. And she said, you know, just since, you know, um, for the last couple of weeks after her last adventure, she's been having this issue communicating. And so um, Karen goes in, Power Girl goes in and um, she sees um, Argo City and there's a version of Kara in there. And Kara's like, why do I look like this? And Power Girl's she's like, well, you know, this is your ideal self. Like, this is what you've always wanted. Like, you miss Argo City. I don't remember Argo City, so I can't give you this perspective. And she looks around, and there's all these monuments of, of like, Krypton here. And Power Girl starts to put together, like, it's these kind of these memories and her trying to hold up Argo City as this perfect memory is what's kind of adding to this trauma and her ability to not communicate. But she can't get rid of these things. Kara has to do it. So basically she starts taunting her and being like, yeah, you know, you're the real one, but I've, I've had to become my own person. You've got to be Superman's cousin. I have to be myself. And this is where it comes out where she talks about feeling like the redheaded stepchild of, of the super family. And as they're going, you know, Kara's destroying these like monuments and, and as she's on the outside, Omen sees her and she's like not sleep talking, but she starts to talk. 
And she starts like saying, stop, and that's not true. And that's how they start to realize that these are the blocks that are up in her brain that's causing the trauma. So um, they finally get to the last one, and there's like this darkness around it. And Power Girl realizes that, no, someone is mentally attacking Kara. So they, she comes out of the, the thing and uh, comes out of the, the therapy session and was like, look, someone's attacking you. We're going to have to, you know, get to the bottom of this. And that, that, that's where that ends. Um, so, again, I, I love that what Leah Williams is doing for the story of kind of this therapy for superheroes and kind of digging deep on these different perspectives. You know, this whole Kara versus Power Girl and where they stand is a question that I've had since they've decided to give power girl this new telepathic you know subset of powers and whatnot so um just just having them have these defined roles in you know you know her not remembering argo city and her having a completely different relationship to superman that kira does you know that's what makes them defined here so um yeah really really enjoy it. i i understand that the savage art's not for everybody, and ever since you've mentioned the dead doll eyes, <laughs> I can't help but see it, and it drives me nuts because I love the color, I love the the breakdowns of the pages. But yeah, sometimes the faces are a little bit, little bit teensy bit scary. So, but no, I'm enjoying the the. They all like Megan, like they're gonna come and kill you in your sleep. Yeah, yeah, Megan. Um. So yeah, did you watch the unrated one yet? No. <laughs> okay. Dang. I've heard, I've heard there's some more blood spot, right? but it's not that yeah. much of a difference than you think okay. it would be. Gotcha. So, anyways, um, so yeah, so we're we gonna rate the the book as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Um, I well, you go first. I'll you always go first. Don't try to trick me. How dare you? No, no, no. But I, I didn't know if that's where we were ending it, or if you had anything else to say. So, um, the the first <laughs> well, on the backup, the main... I didn't read. <laughs> no, but on the other backup. Um, okay. So, so the. The main story, I'm going to give an 8.5. The John story, I'll give about a 7.5, and I'll give the Kara story 7. So trying to add these all up, I'll give it an 8 overall. Very good. Uh, I think I'm going 9. I think uh, the the main story for me, I think, is a great issue, a great con continuity issue of a run that is using all the tools that it's sort of built up over its run so far in interesting mm -hmm. ways to build its characters and the story. Uh, the Metallo kind of like teases and twists that he's not actually been speaking to Lex is super interesting. I think mm -hmm. the high point of Detective this week was a little higher than anything in action, but I think action was more consistent and overall a much better experience from beginning to end uh, with, with no weak points. So... Uh, I have to go nine, I think, because uh, I really liked it. And the, the the John backup was 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 fun. It was a nice to go. Mm -hmm. I, I I'm kind of just rating the main story though. I, I I'm for the most part gotcha. I just kind of let the backups be separate and don't really think about them too much. But uh, yeah. So there you go. There you go. Uh, Batman versus Robin issue five. Mark Wade writing with <laughs> Manad Azrar on the art. So this follows, which is weird because my cover that I got physically. Uh huh. Also had Godlewski's name, but I don't see Godlewski anywhere in the in the credits page. Oh yeah, interesting. Um, so right. I thought with the heft of this, I thought there was a backup. And it must have just been a misprint. Must have been. Yeah. So, uh, so this comes after the Lazarus Planet Omega, mm -hmm. uh, and as I kind of said earlier on uh, when we were talking about, uh, you know, the list of books what? we were doing, uh -huh. um, 
after reading this and realizing this is probably just the end of the, the book, it's very weird that Omega and Alpha weren't just issues five and six of this series, and then this was mm-hmm. issue seven. Uh, like, I think they were trying to justify it as there was no Batman versus Robining in that. And in here, that's what we get now. It's Robin versus I mean, Batman. Don't get me wrong. It'd be kind of weird yeah. if there was all these one-shots tying in yeah. between just a couple yeah. of issues of this miniseries. That would feel a bit odd as well. But yeah. So I think that's why they named them differently and made it this little thing. But, but yeah. you, you can't read Lazarus Planet, Alpha and Omega no. without Batman and Batman versus Robin as no. well. They're all, they're all one story. Yeah. Well, and this is the conclusion to that story, yeah, too. Yeah, this so is the conclusion, like, yeah. This should have at least... Does it have a banner? No, there's no, there. it's just, well, it says the Lazarus epilogue on, yeah. on the cover. But this maybe should have had a banner or something. Um, it just, it yeah. feels a bit strange. It, it feels a bit disjointed in its naming and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this very much is the ending to the story. It's, you know, Batman's possessed by Neza, and Damien has to, has to deal with that, uh, which involves, you know, tricking him and getting away from him in the Batcave, which leads to a fun chase. Neza, Batman, uses the uh, the Dick and Damien Batmobile to uh-huh. chase him, which was a nice As touch. I, I love Damien going, that's my Batmobile? I, I do love that, you know, Wade's getting to use things in continuity that happened while he was away from DC. He's like, yeah, I like some mm-hmm. of this stuff when I wasn't here, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to use some of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, basically the, the issue is, uh, Monkey Prince helps, of course, but uh, Damien effectively assembles all the Bat family much like he did before with the Robins, but this time he also yep. brings in the Batgirls, and it's like, okay, if we're going to take down Bruce, we have to do it all as a team. And sure enough, we get Batman fighting all the various Bat family members. Uh, that's a big chunk in the middle of the issue. Yep. Uh, the big critical thing for Damien, though, is that he's been told by Monkey Prince, and then later by the other magic users who show up, that Bruce has only been kept alive because of the magic of Neza being inside him, mm-hmm. and if they get rid of Neza then Bruce is going to die. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't feel cheap that Damien just immediately says, well, that's the right thing to do then, because, of course, that's what Batman would say. Batman would, mm-hmm. be, the, would be the first to hop up and say, yeah, do it. Very pragmatic, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I had my shot, but Neza's a bigger deal, so take him out. But Damien does have a plan. He thinks he can mm-hmm. sacrifice himself to save Batman, because that's, that's what he asks Zatanna... Yeah and Omen and whoever else at the end to, to do. He says... Enchantress. Enchantress, Omen. sorry. She's, yeah. she's wearing green. I thought it was Omen. Yeah, she is. No, she is. But yeah, you know, <laughs> after reading after reading Action and then reading this, I did do the same thing. But remember when, when Damien calls her like a trollop or something, <laughs> you know? Uh, I feel like he would do that to Omen. So. Yeah. And they're like, uh, that may not be quite enough. Uh, and they even say, you know, like, I'm sure any of the other Bat family would volunteer to like, give up their life for him. And Damien says, what if we took a little bit of all of us? And they say, that wouldn't quite be enough. It'll take more. And he's like, well, how much more? Which leads to the big thing that I've got a funny feeling you're going to have some words on, uh, which is Damien puts out a call to Gotham City and says that Batman needs everyone's help, that everyone needs to look up to the signal and believe in Batman so that they can all take a... So just so they can take a little slither of everyone's life from everyone to, to wake up Batman. Do you know what this made me think of more than anything, bizarrely? I don't remember it very well, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm positive I'm positive there was something in Doctor Who like this at one point. Oh boy. <laughs> and I'm not a big Doctor Who guy. Like but I yeah. watched a fair chunk of the newer stuff. All, all I was getting was in Hook where where 
you know, Tinkerbell <laughs> makes them say, I believe in fairies. Like, uh, do you know what this was? I, I wasn't super into this necessarily, but I kind of appreciated just them like, oh, Mark Wade's doing one of his Silver Age things again, because Mark Wade loves doing weird Silver Age stuff, and that's what this felt like to me. Um, you know, it was nice to see them hug at the end when Batman gets back up. I love that Damien does try this thing, but it is super saccharine and just, I yeah. don't, I, like, Gotham as a city, I does I don't has the same relationship as central if this was central in the flash i would i would buy it or metropolis superman or yeah Uh, i didn't want to use that because then i'm a self-parody sure sure my my next favorite hero i I think i would have been more okay with this if they just reined it in a bit right and what i mean by that is that damien says you know look up into the signal If, if he just said you know Mm-hmm. tonight when the signal's in the sky look up and think of batman and we just see some people looking up and sort of thinking about batman i would have yeah. said okay that that that, that kind of works for me i think the fact that we, we get we cut around all these civilians like raising their fists and going i am batman that was yeah. the part that felt oh this is a bit cheesy now i'm not quite clicking with that yeah. so you know like the yeah. sentiment I, I do i do love that damien's like determined to save him Mm-hmm. I, I do like that the Bat family would all be willing to volunteer. I like those parts of it. I like the yeah. hug at the end. But yeah, the, the the cheesiness of like having Gothamites all... I read that and I had the biggest eye roll and I was like, what? Look, Mark Wade, I like you as a writer a lot. I'm going to cut you a little bit of slack, but I'm glad that you also found it cheesy um, because just the I believe in Batman or I am Batman, you know, definitely them just looking up and like even seeing like criminals and seeing that symbol in the sky right <laughs> and even that fear is enough to to help batman you know just batman is an idea and that that just goes to you know the whole nolan idea of batman of him becoming an idea yeah yeah um, yeah you know like, i i would have gotten that that would have been just fine. a bit more restraint is, is all, yes. all, all i would have liked i i, I don't mind the idea more. of like the, the the energy of everyone looking yeah. up and thinking about batman or caring about batman in some way mm-hmm. would be enough to do it with the magic I'd, yeah. I'd, i I could get on board with that uh but it just it got a bit too it got, it got like it's, it's like you wanted to have like, that spider-man moment where the city that's, wants to help him but it's it's more mystical though like it, see, it, if, it if felt that, like the that's our spider-man and them hucking bricks at the green goblin yeah you but know? that's the thing though that's just them hawking things at the villain if if, so, if some mm-hmm. gothamite showed up and threw a brick at the joker I'd be like, yeah, okay, that's fine, whatever. That that, that granny's got uh, balls. She just threw a brick at the I Joker. Want, I want that in the next Joker appearance in the <laughs> in in the uh, in the stupid musical they're doing with uh, what's his face as the sequel. Please have a grandma throw a brick at him. She's, she's got one of those uh, what do you call those quad walker things? They, 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 yeah. yeah, like a, like a stroke. Uh, walker yeah. she's got a walker yeah. she's walking wrong she throws a brick yeah. at the joker's head and then just goes you take that you clown motherfucker yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's how that's how you'd get more than a five rating out of me <laughs> for that movie uh so oh dear um, yeah so yeah uh they, they hug they run off into the night yeah. and Batman and Robin yeah. are reunited. There you go. The, I, I did love that final panel of them because it did feel like, man, now I want a Batman and Robin book from Mark Wade. Like it's oh, been, sure. it's been a minute since we've had a Batman and Robin book. Um, I did like Monkey Prince showing up and using his cloning, you know, his hairs, right? And the Damien's like, hmm. He says something about like, yeah, I need, I need you to do this, but for Superboy, you know, because like he misses his friend. Um, I, I like that aspect. 
But then we got all the clones of Damien that attack. Uh, yeah, we get almost like a Matrix uh, Reloaded fight where it's like a hundred yeah. Damien's fighting Batman. I li- I like that aspect, and I like that you know Batman having zero hesitancy and just beating the hell out of all these kids. Um, so that was a fun juxtaposition. But yeah, no, it was I, I was really enjoying it, and then I got to that big big thing of cheese, and I was just like, oh, geez, Wade, what are you doing, bud? You know. Uh, and a lesser writer, I would have definitely been like, okay, I'm done. But I guess he, <laughs> is he going to stick this landing? And he does, you know, because there are some very nice moments that we haven't really, you know, when, when you look about where the Robin book started from Williamson and him feeling guilty about um, about Alfred and him going through this journey um, and then the stuff that has happened through Lazarus Planet and here, it feels like now that Damien and Bruce are back on that, you know, not level playing field, but father son relationship. I mean, dis- yeah. despite our critiques at some of the cheesiness towards the end, mm-hmm. like I think this was an easy to read, and given the fact yeah. that it's like forty five pages, it, you know, credit. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was a slog to get through. It yeah, flowed quite no. well. Action was good. Yeah, the art. I, I like Asrar as an artist, so the he's art a, was really, really good. He's good house style. You know, that sounds like an insult, but I don't mean it no. to be. I just mean he's, he's good house style. No, but he has this heaviness to his to his pencils that the house style doesn't like it's not it's not exactly clean but it's not sketchy like again there's a heavy shadowiness to it that, that i really like because you can tell when it's a shrar so um I, i'd love to see him on like a zatanna magic book to see what comes out of that like yeah you know so but you know it was it was fine uh not not it was not again not expecting the city of gotham to be yelling i am batman I mean, uh, when we, I picked we, that book up, we still have Wade doing some Batman and Robin in World's mm-hmm. Finest because we got a Robin in that, uh, and yeah. he's effectively swapping this for the Shazam ongoing that he's starting yeah. in May. So, you know, yeah, with Dan Mora. So you know, let's get stoked on that one. See, that is where I can deal with some cheese, right? Because that's Shazam in a nutshell. He was known as the bigger cheese, so he can do all the silliness there, um, and I don't think I'll have an issue with it. The big red cheese. Yeah. That's got to be Shazam! <laughs> Just remembering the really mean name Lawler used to call Cade and how that would not go in 2023. Uh, oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, what are you rating Batman versus Robin issue for? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a 7.5. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll give it a straight 7, I think. I still enjoyed reading it. It, it does get a bit yeah. too cheesy towards the end. Uh, I, I think like batman versus robin as a whole including lazarus planet and i'm i just mean the like alpha and omega i'm not really including the mm-hmm. all the other one shot one shots um overall it was an enjoyable enough story with some high points and it kept us guessing at points which is nice mm-hmm. uh but you know ultimately just kind of a fun bit of fluff with a good little bit of character here or there uh, as opposed to being like a yeah. standout story like some of the other stuff that uh is going on but uh yeah okay there you go batman versus robin Mm-hmm. Stargirl, The Lost Children, issue four, Jeff Johns writing with Todd Nuck on the art. So this, uh, we get Corky doing some explaining, talking about yeah. Flashpoint and how Manhattan stole five years of the timeline and this displaced a bunch of people and they were keeping all these kids, all these sidekicks kind of safe in the time vault and it was mm-hmm. Batman stealing stuff from the vault when he was trying to create his own snow globe universe for uh his flashpoint Flashpoint father yeah 
that basically released these like kids into the time stream and then Childminder stole them out of the time stream and put them on this island where t- it's outside of time. Or for someone to come and purchase them. Yeah, she's going to sell um, them to someone, which the, yeah. the, the, the issue teases a few times and at the end you get the big reveal uh, yep. of who it is. Which... So, so I just, I just want to take a minute and I, I messaged Pete yesterday and I was like, hey, I'm going to do a victory lap. And then this guy, who I've done a show with four years at this point, because I don't even remember what you said. <laughs> I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I, don't I, I assume you predicted something to do with Our Man since Our Man shows up at the end. No, it has no? everything to do with Corky and the Flashpoint Beyond oh, and about, okay. about how the snow globe is responsible for the kids. Because whatever Batman did, with the I don't even offset. remotely remember yep. you saying that. <laughs> yeah, because I said remember because Corky being here and Corky being the only Time Master we saw with Bruce, mm. right? And Flashpoint Beyond, that snow globe has to do with these kids. And then I also tied it to JSA, right? Oh, so do you? Th- do so do you Elena. think from Corky's perspective, this is set before when he showed up in Flashpoint Beyond? Like, so those scenes where he's talking to Batman. Do you think those scenes for Corky happen after this? I'm not sure because because something has to happen with the with the snow globe to kick off the Flashpoint Beyond stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm not sure where this all takes place in time. However, being that they're all jo- Jeff Johns, Te- I'm sure technically he knows. it's outside of time, and I know that before any smart arses in the comments tell me yes. that. But I'm just yep. saying from the perspective. Of Corky yeah. saying Batman stole this globe, it's caused this yeah. problem, and he's here with the kids. I'm just wondering if his his like altercation with Batman is yeah. after he gets out with all the kids. Yeah, I'm not Maybe. sure because of timey wimey, right? Yeah, timey wimey, yeah. Because all of the stuff, but you know, um, but I also like that this is John's going through and in his own way playing with continuity in the ways that I I like of being like, yeah, these kids, these kids are from out of time and. The reason they don't exist is because of Batman. There, there was um, a yeah, there was a funny response to that where he says yeah. he, he brings out Batman and one of the sick it goes, "Who's Batman?" <laughs> yeah, and I just in the meta sense again with the metaverse and how mm-hmm. this ties in with Doomsday Clock and and uh, this new thing called the Divine Continuum, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, is just the idea of these Golden Age superheroes changing, like these sidekicks changing when you know Batman comes around, right? And that's the idea of the introduction of Robin. And, okay, you know, okay, that's that's, you an, know. that's an interesting meta perspective yeah. on this. Is the yeah, it's, it's a representation of Batman changed comics mm-hmm. fundamentally when he showed up. Right. So yeah, you know, and 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 I, I just I like that. That's why I I like you know love Jeff Johns as a writer for him going back and and playing with comics in in and of themselves. So, um, but yeah, and um, Corky telling them about where they are now. Or he had seen the Divine Continuum, which big DC letters, which that cracked me up. Because, um, you know, we had the, in Flashpoint Beyond, we saw the difference between, you know, um, the Omniverse, which is space, and Hyper Time, which is the Time Continuum. And wherever they are, whatever he had seen, um, he kind of described as heaven, as this Divine Continuum, is over them all. But when you look at his little chart, it also has the Sphere of the Gods. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering what all of this has to do with with that aspect of things. Like, oh, you know, the new gods I have and, no idea. Uh, yeah, I do like so. the idea though. That it starts with them like in their bubble, traveling through time, mm-hmm. and they literally see Barry on his way to do yeah. Flashpoint. I, I thought that was an interesting little. There goes uh, Flash to go screw things up. Yeah. I love it. 
So, yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, the big thing is that the who are, like because there's a tease with Judy uh, running on her yep. treadmill that mm-hmm. she's seeing every time when she runs on the treadmill, she sometimes gets glimpses of her father, she gets glimpses of the life that was taken from her, mm-hmm. and she says just before she passes out, "Oh, like there's someone else with my father who's supposed to be a friend," and that's your kind of yeah. tease before the last page when our man shows up. And didn't we say last time that the uh, yeah. Because the Miraclo Beach. It's the sand on the beach, the yeah, sand. was the same yeah. as the sand on his hourglass. So they kind of yep. teased that then as well. Uh, it's interesting. So the kids are all storming the castle, effectively, uh, yeah. to, cu- to come after and rescue whoever's captured and try and get off the island. And this is when our man shows up at the end. So, um, yeah, more than half the issue is Corky explaining all the bullshit, which is, I don't yeah. know, if you, if you care about continuity and have some fun with how John's uh-huh. plays with it, you'll have some fun with it. Uh and then there's some fight scenes, and then our man shows up. <laughs> so I'm so I'm trying to figure out what this which our man this is because this looks like the android version, mm-hmm. but I know it's not because they also say he's the representative from Tyler Co, which is you know Rex Tyler's company, um and whatnot. So, um trying to figure out which one. I'm sure there's there's gonna be an answer there. Uh, but this whole island being on outside of time and the childminder, the idea that she was the um. She was the the idea or the the uh, inspiration for Mother Goose. I thought that was another fun little wrinkle, mm-hmm. right? That she's this bird lady, and then she explains uh, that. Well, no, they you know, in order for their human minds to comprehend it, that, that it was an old lady with a goose, and they were separate. They weren't the same, you know, and that she's not exactly in her eyes evil. She's just you know rearing these children for their own. You know, for whatever they're going to do. Mind you, she's selling children. So, uh, yeah. Well, and also raises you know. the question, what does our man want with the kids? Yeah. Yeah, like, what's his purpose? Well, He's been presented as quite villainous here, but like, yeah. what's the end goal exactly? Yeah. So, yep. who knows? So I'm trying to figure out. So, a um, lot, lot, lot of fun. I like all of these new kids. Yeah. Molly Pitcher pouring weapons out of her actual pitcher. I thought was a fun little thing. And then um, the, the robot dog. And Stargirl asking if he could link up. And he goes, I have no idea what that means. I'm just a clockwork dog that's meant to, you know, make humans comfortable around robots. She's like, you don't have Wi-Fi? What? (laughs) I thought that was all really funny. So, um, yeah, it just, it felt really good. Uh, You know, it feels like the Johns that I, you know, know, fell in love with and going to the comic shop weekly to go see, you know, read, to go check out Teen Titans and Flash and all the other stuff that he was working on. uh, it seems like he's got his groove back, and, and I'm happy for that. Yeah, it's a bit weird that uh, GSA seems like it's on a bit of a delayed schedule. It feels like we've mm-hmm. been away since issue two, but uh, it does feel like he's building to something, which is nice. It's almost like they're just giving him his own little corner to like mess mm-hmm. around with what he wants to. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what comes of it. I'm wondering how Judy Garrick uh, plays into all this, too, because there's always a thing about Jay and his wife taking in Bart because they couldn't have kids of their own. I just hope that doesn't change that dynamic, right? Um, you well, know, that I, Judy I, just shows up and it changes things with Bart. I hope that's not what comes from it. So, Well, I think it know. has to. I, I think, But I think that's why the, the choice is made to do it, is that it's such a key part of their character that they wanted Bart because they couldn't have a kid of their own. To find out that they did have a kid mm-hmm. of their own that was taken from them in time yeah. is what makes her narratively quite interesting. It's like, yeah. no, you did have a kid, and then she vanished. Like you, you, you yeah. This was stolen from you, and this was something that we know the characters always wanted. So that makes it important. Um, 
uh, you know, especially since it's not like we're not going to have. Or I'd be very surprised if we get any Jay taken in Bart stories anytime soon. Anyway, I feel like that that part no, of history is done. So I don't yeah, think it matters. No. I I really don't think it affects anything. No, uh, it doesn't. But for for me, for personal reasons, it, it you know, there's a little thread there that you know it makes me kind of sad that they're changing that. Um, but and I'm curious to see where, how this fits in because I think they didn't they name drop Judy in in JSA. I think um, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so see, I, but I, I wouldn't see them as a, them changing something. I see it as them using that that part of history to inform mm-hmm. why this character existing at all is interesting. Yeah. So you know, it, it, she only works and is interesting as a character because that is part of like right. Jay's history. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but hey, uh, yeah, it was a fun time. I mean, as an issue, it's a bit uneven because it's this weird like half is just exposition yeah. and then there's a bit of a fight and and then the other man shows up. But you know, like. I found it quite interesting. I'd probably... Well, what are you in the first? Um, I'm going to give this an 8.5. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, it has nothing to do with the victory lap, but that helps. But, you know. <laughs> feels nice when I'm right, because it doesn't happen all the time. So, Allegedly right, I'll say. Yes. Um, I, I'll just go with 7.5. I think it's a bit uneven as an issue, but I do enjoy the playing with the... You know, the t- mm-hmm. I think it's just a little bit too much like clunked together at the start, but I do like what it's playing with and mm-hmm. what it's sort of setting up for the future. So, uh, fun stuff. All right. Blue Beetle Graduation Day, issue four. Uh, Joss Trujillo and Adrian Gutierrez mm-hmm. on the art. So, what, uh, what, what happened to this issue, Matt? Yeah. So, um, they need the, the, this, the guy that was with, uh, Jaime's friends is the grandson of this old Dan Garrett or Ted Cord villain. Um, let me pull it up. I forgot his name. Um, but it's basically trying to go back and get his grandpa's artifacts. And he's tracked it down to... Um, let me find this. Um, his name is Leo Lamont. His grandpa was the supervillain. He was uh, the original fadeaway man. So he wore this magical cloak, which granted him like invisibility, intangibility, and flight. And he, you know, he fought the Justice Society. Um, and so um, he's he's here to get something of his grandpa's back. And this cloak that he's wearing around him, you know, this like purple uh, bandana, um, is uh, telling him that it's at the um, what's his name? I keep wanting to say Tyler because now our band's on my brain. But Blue Beetle at Ted Cord at Cord Industries, he needs to get in there. So he tells Jaime, like, you know, I'm going to need your help. I know you can get in there um, because, I, you know, um, you've had to have heard of someone named Victoria Cord. Um, and so this leads to the four of them uh, sneaking in and uh, fade away. He uses his intangibility, so he's able to, like, phase through stuff to go with Jaime and he sends the the two friends to run uh, disruption, um, and while they're there, um, Jaime uses his his scarab, which of course was what Batman had told him not to do, right? Because of the whole reach and, and this other group, um, which then uh, Paco gets excited because now you know he's like, oh, we're doing superhero stuff again. Um, so as they're sneaking around uh, the Court Industries. They find dynasties and and how she's all locked up, which uh, has uh, some pretty big consequences for Jaime because the beetle, his scarab starts freaking out. 
and you know um she's like you don't understand like that beetle that you have fused to you is an engine of destruction you know like um as long as someone has it you're a danger so you know like all the she tells them all the technology all the reach technology must be destroyed to make way for the horizon so that made me think like maybe the horizon aren't these you know refugees revolutionaries fighting for freedom there's there's like a full-on you know war going on between them um and then they get to talking about like yeah like that's what it used to be but me and my beetle until you showed up you know we had an understanding um because of who i am i'm like i'm a hero and you know we prevented the the reach invasion um but she's like, yeah, you're a good guy, but you're going to lose control. They all do. Um, and then it, um, Paco and the other friend end up running distractions that leads to uh, Dynasties getting out uh, because they, um, Jaime and Fadeaway uh, get her bag out and her scarab jumps back to her and then she takes off. Fadeaway takes the thing he was looking for and he nopes out which leaves Jaime there for Ted and his sister to find him and the sister freaks out and Jaime is, is like well no you stole that she's like I did not yes I didn't get it from someone who's on the up and up but I purchased it because we need to find out what's going on with all of this stuff like I'm a scientist I need to know how things work so we can you know protect ourselves from whatever and um, it ends with, with Starfire coming in and, you know, wanting to make sure that he's safe. Um, and Jaime uh, transforming back and is like, you're not going to tell Batman, are you? And Cord's like, it's Batman. He already knows. To um, It leads to Batman in the Batcave with the Justice League, which... One of these guys I don't recognize. It looks kind of like the um, Freedom Fighters member, Black Condor. So he's this guy in this black, like, flight suit um, and kind of like this weird mohawk uh, standing next to Cyborg. But it's it's Batman in the Batcave with Shazam, um, with uh, Jessica Cruz, Barry Allen, Cyborg, and what looks like Black Condor. And he's like, you know... Uh, we have our mission. There's a hostile aliens in Palmyra City, and they're taking time bomb. Uh, so you know, don't let Blue Beetle stand in your way, and that's where it ends. So, looks like Batman sending this, you know, you know, backup level Justice League uh, to go apprehend the Beetles because I mean, you got to remember there's three of them running around right now. Jessica Cruz uh, is on the team. It's the A team. Come on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also you have Shazam and you got Cyborg and and you know Black Condor. Like any team black condors on it's not the a squad you know so um do you even know it's black but, condor you said it looked like black condor you, you, i don't you're but not I, sure. judging from this judging from the costume that's who it looks like so but i did love ted being like it's batman he already knows man like you're in trouble so uh it's definitely played on jaime's t- too trusting nature i do feel like and this might just be because i have information from the movie that victoria cord isn't you know on the up and up and that her saying that she, you know, got this stuff from, yeah, not great sources. She's she's definitely having this stuff stolen so she can, you know, be a low-level Lex Luthor type. Um, the art's pretty good, uh, Jaime. It's very Matt, cartoony. I can confirm okay. it's Black Condor. Okay, there you go. How, how'd you confirm? 
I went to DC Wiki and it lists the characters ah, in the issue. <laughs> gotcha. So look at that. So uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, the art, the art's really, really nice. It's very cartoony still and Jaime's reactions to everything, you know, really spot on, especially when he's not in the suit. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm going to give this a seven out of 10. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, the Human Target, issue 12. Uh, I think, obviously, the main event going into this mm-hmm. week for us, because we've been loving this book. It's the final issue. We were kind of, like, very curious as to how this was going to play out. It was, like, mm-hmm. you know, all that was left was to die. And we're like, is he going to pull a Human Target-style twist? And the answer to that is no. Instead, we get a fairly somber ending that's about Ice mourning the death of someone she fell in love with. Uh, well, with a slightly, like, upbeat kind of ending, but for the most part, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> more, more so, downbeat. So I don't know how I felt about this, and I still don't. I'm probably going to have to read this again. Um, You know, I would finish the other ones and know exactly how I felt, but like you said, like, this somber ending. Um, oh, I, I, loved still... I love this. I I yeah. love that he 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 reined it in and he's he wasn't tempted to do the twist because from issue one we kept saying, but he's the human uh-huh. target, right? He's going yeah. to somehow not have actually died at the end. Yeah. I love that he didn't. I love that this turned into being an issue about a man realizing because you know it's set up earlier on the the book mm-hmm. that he kind of always looked down on his father for begging to live right yeah. before he died, and. He realizes he says it to Ace here from his final conversation on the beach because uh, it flashes back to that halfway through mm-hmm. this issue. Uh, he says to her that he finally understood that he wasn't begging for his own life. He was begging for more time with him, with his son. Mm-hmm. And now in some level he understands that because now, now that he's about to die, he's not afraid of being dead because he, he's going to be dead. He won't care anymore. He's scared of all the time that he could have with Ace because uh, he's only had 11 days with her. And... That's so. I think that been what the story's actually kind of about, as far as his personal character goes. Uh, apart from the because the romance of this this book has worked beautifully. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we cared about them as a pair, we cared about their their chemistry. Obviously, there was this idea that maybe she's got something nefarious going on. It always felt genuine to an extent, though. And I think mm-hmm. you know, so it made sense that okay, she is involved in the murder, but she's actually fallen for him. Um. And I thought the reveal early on, which is, you know, we hear a little bit of their conversation of him prom- or him making her promise to not be there when he dies. And she comes in and finds the dead body afterwards, and she finds this note next to the bed, uh, which she, you know, she pulls off and ends up sitting on the floor. And we see it says, I love you too, which is paid off later because we see that she said that on the beach. That was yeah. one of the things she said that made him, you know, because it was left on the beach at that, that cliffhanger and that scene where it was like, yeah. oh, how did the rest of that go that they chose to come back instead? They didn't, you know, uh, they, they didn't, they didn't just kill her. He didn't take her in or, or right. whatever. Uh, so well, I, she, I, she's, I she's in was... a prison of her own mind and grief. Oh, sure. Yeah. But I, I thought this was beautiful. Yeah. I, I thought the opening, you know, six, seven mm-hmm. pages, whatever this is of like him lying there on the bed and her coming in and seeing this note and breaking down and crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, it captures and I was still thinking, oh, he's somehow gonna come uh, back before the end of the issue. But I love that he didn't. That shows restraint. Damn yeah, and, and the restraint there. And when I say that I don't know how I feel, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with what, what Ice goes and does and you know, and almost like 
by the very she, end yeah well yeah and just what what she goes through over the course like who she's become because of this right um and that almost as if she's finishing her job in the way that chance would have finished his job right um that even though he's quote unquote dead the job's not done yet and there's still some of these loose ends that that she helps wraps up and and so i'm still processing so when i say that i don't know how i feel it's not that i didn't like it because i did like it it's still processing what all of those mean you know um and how how from from that part where you're talking about which i thought was all really nice and beautiful to when she starts talking to guy in fire and jean and booster and all of that stuff and Luigi. they need to give it a reread to let that everything sink in you know yeah um yeah because she talks to luigi who says he's good mm -hmm. uh chance has left him a lot of money so he's going to retire the restaurant and just go and travel or whatever mm -hmm. um <coughs> for a hot second i thought luigi was chance when he because he's oh, right. yeah. learned italian but i was like nah christopher chance would have known italian right like um so yeah it's just one of those things where i kept waiting with each thing to be like oh he's gonna show up in the back and so that's why i think i need to read it again with a different expectation yeah and, and see how everything else lands but they're talking about what he's going to give to her after she's done mm -hmm. and it turns out it's the it's a it's an empty whiskey bottle with his ashes in it oh, yeah. um and she's with fire and she's upset and i love that this like goes because this is like day 16 when she's with fire and the mm -hmm. entire thing of the book was you know, day one through 12 like counting down yep. to his death uh so the idea that we're beyond that part of the timeline now and we're seeing what this has done to her afterwards and that this was a real connection that she is like heartbroken mm -hmm. she has lost someone she loves um yeah. we see her get kind of because john comes to her and says mm -hmm. there's actually stuff to investigate here like he never did quite find out who killed lex and or who tried mm -hmm. to kill lex and effectively killed chance so we still have to look into that and ace basically flexes her muscles a uh, bit uh -huh. and scares the shit out of martian manhunter yeah by saying, "Hey, you technically broke some rules doing this, and people wouldn't want to know about that." Are you Are you sure you're the one to be leading an investigation? Yeah, and then she yeah. makes a big ace, you know, sculpture of something, uh -huh. and then just snaps her fingers or or clenches mm -hmm. her fist, and it all just shatters. And it's basically like, "Don't come for me." <laughs> yeah, because I will fight you. <laughs> well, and it's this whole thing. She's like, "Where I'm not the good girl, right?" And she's she's shedding that. You know, even to her teammates, she's yeah, shedding I, that the old persona here. Yeah, because she said at the start of the scene, he says something. She's like, "Yeah, because I'm the sweet one." And at mm -hmm. the end, she's like, "You know, if people ask, just say, uh, uh, you gave the job to her because she's the sweet one.' You know, she makes that point at the mm -hmm. end. This idea of this this side of her that came out that you know, because for her as well, her relationship with Chance by the end, she got to be mm -hmm. kind of open about who she was in a way that she you know even even not even at the end. Even when she started talking to him, it's like she's the sweet one. But as it went on, mm -hmm. she she's quite open about talking about how this is how people perceive her, and she yeah. was already being more open with them. And maybe she was been more open with them to begin with because there was an element of guilt because she knew she'd kind of caused his death. But mm -hmm. you know, uh, I do love the payoff because she's like sort of like wrestling with where do I dispose of his ashes? Did did he yeah. care? Would he want it in the water? Because she goes out in a little ice raft because they had a nice moment. Yeah. Uh, in the water last issue uh, and then Guy shows up and 
she finds the perfect place to dispose of guys uh, to dispose mm-hmm. of uh, Chansey's ashes by smashing them over Guy Gardner's head. I think Christopher would be approved of that. Oh, he'd love that. Yeah, he'd, yeah. he'd think that was the best. Um, and it's it's a great build up in the art as well because she's she, she sort of leading Guy on. She hugs him, and you just see the hand tilt with the bottle in her yeah. hand. Well, and also the fact that he's like, yeah, you know, you're still my girl, right? And like, like I say, this is a Guy Gardner fan. I hate this guy Gardner. And it's very, <laughs> it's very like because I know this guy and I hate this guy. When I say this guy, I mean this type of person, right? Yeah. Um, and I I cannot stand them. They make my skin skin but crawl. Can, can I just? Behold- I just oh. want to say, Matt, you're in denial here because this is guy. This was guy oh. all along, Austin. <laughs> uh, no. So the guy I like was written in the in the mid 2000s <laughs> past all the machismo bs but this is very much that era of guy that i understand people don't like right like um <laughs> i like the more evolved in in touch with his feelings guy and this when he puts his arm around her on the ice float and was like yeah babe like we're gonna do you know it was so fulfilling when she was just like yeah okay i know what i'm gonna do so yeah. oh, man and how good is this well we'll talk about small wood art i'll let you Oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it skips to day seventy-three, and she's still got the empty bottle, and she smells it, which triggers the flashback on the beach mm-hmm. when he had the gun pointing to her. Yeah. Um, and she's like, "Whatever happened to the man of action?" Um, and he's like, "I can't kill you. I need a favor." Uh, and she's like, "Wait, you, you can't kill me because you need a favor, or you can't kill me and you need a favor?" And he's like, does that make a difference? And she's like, yeah, to me, for the rest of my life, it'll matter. So it's like, if there was any doubt that any of this romantic relationship was an act, which I, I never thought it was, mm-hmm. just because, and this was the art more than anything throughout the entire book, it mm-hmm. sold as these people were feeling things about each other. Yeah. Uh, it was so strong in that regard. Um, but it was basically about not having regrets and finishing the job that she originally started, which is why mm-hmm. it gets to the... Uh, you know, it gets to the ending, which is that she still has the poison. If I think I said she was at, she was smelling the empty bottle where his ashes were in, that's not still true. The poison because she smashed that bottle. Yeah, she's smelling yeah. the poison because he because in this flashback he asks about, do you still have any more of that poison left? And the final scene of the, the book is she's with Lex as she's you know quote unquote investigating the mm. death of Chance, and it ends with Lex taking a swig of some some booze in front of her. And she smiles, uh, and that's the end of the issue, implying that at the end she actually gets to kill Lex Luthor, which was the original plan all along. Right. Uh, for what he did. So, yeah. And, uh, and and that's the part where I mean where she, in the spirit of Christopher Chance, finishes the job, right? Because the human target always would, would find a way to get it done. And and over the course here, and it's not just for the revenge for Chris or, or her love or whatever. It was, you know... This is what she originally had meant to set out to do, and he kind of like a human target got in the way, you know. So I almost feel like his his last gift to her is like, well, I'm not in your way anymore. Go get it done. Um, and and it's it's this weirdly morbid sweet moment for me. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily get the she's become like him and getting the job done because. It's fundamentally the opposite of what his job was, but I think I take it more as like. You know, not giving up in what she cares about. Because Chris, mm-hmm. Chris was so detached from like everything, basically. Mm-hmm. 
because of how he viewed the world, because of the way he was with his father, um, that and I think by the end he kind of understood why she needed to kill Lex Luthor on some level, mm-hmm. um, because that was all about what Lex had done, what Lex had taken from her. Um, so I, I, I kind of got it in a weird way, because uh, it's not like she's getting revenge on Lex for chance even though she might you know you could argue in a warped way it's kind of lexi's fault that chris ended up dead because he hired chris mm-hmm. but you know lex didn't try and kill chris that was if anything that's the guilt of right. her is that she was the one that kind of did that mm-hmm. but it does kind of work is in this weird roundabout way of like um like go get the person you actually meant to kill yeah <laughs> at the end yeah um now obviously these are characters who aren't, like, squeaky clean, right? There, there, there's always been mm-hmm. this moral grey to both of them, and that's kind of the point here. This ending's not meant to be this squeaky happy, like, good right. guys did the right thing ending. It's not that. No, uh, it's still tragic, because, yeah, she's not the sweet one, right? Yeah. She still is the person that, with her ex, hatched a plan to kill the man that is responsible for her dying, which is a weirdly comic book thing, right? Yeah. You know? So she's still following on that through line that she's, there is a darkness to her, and that, you know, only only a couple people know the real Torah. Well, I think the other thing I'd relate to the human target himself is that, you know, his whole thing is that he wears masks and he's mm-hmm. he presents to be someone else. And kind of the point here with her is that she is seen as the sweet one, but that's kind of just a mask. And no one yeah. really sees what she really is underneath. Maybe Fire does. Uh, Guy, I don't think does. Guy thinks he no. knows what she is, but I don't no, think he does. Guy, Guy sees who he wants to see in her, and that's yeah. the sweet girl that always needs his help. That's why that's why it was so easy for her to manipulate him into this entire scheme, you know? Because yeah. um, she he sees exactly what she wants him to see, and that's what Chris didn't see, right? Chris saw through all that yep. and saw the real, Which the real ice. only made her like him more, or love him more, mm-hmm. because it was something that no one else really did. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought it was a really beautiful love story, ultimately, which is kind of like, obviously there's an element of tragedy to it, because he was dying yeah, all the time. A, it's a tragic love story, but, for sure. But, like, you know, if we're talking about chances are, like, god damn, like, he made me yeah. believe in these two people and how they felt about each other the entire time. Mm-hmm. It was, it's the sort of thing where if you, if you told me before this book started, this is really just going to be a love story between Christopher Chance and Ace. Uh, yeah, featuring the Justice League International. Like, you'd be like, like oh, that's weird. What is this? But yeah. at the same time, I'm like, you know, in some ways, this might be Tom King's best story. Not in every way, but in some ways, it may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, now now that we're talking about it, and I'm able to de you know deconstruct it stuff. Yeah, it definitely the restraint there to have him not be, let's say, Luigi, like I thought for a hot second, because then that would ruin that would ruin the you know the end cap. It'd be, like, well, it'd, still, it would just be a know. very different ending. There'd have to be a different yeah. point at the end that's, that's separate right. from what, what the book actually does. I think right. the idea that Lex as well can't see what she really is and falls mm-hmm. for the trap at the end yeah. is, a, you know, again, another testament to like who he is. That He's a bit arrogant. That he he yeah. thinks he can see everything coming, but he couldn't see mm-hmm. through her uh, right. like sweet persona. Right. So, but yeah, no, definitely, definitely would not have been the same ending with all of that, if he's still out there somewhere, you know, it would feel like a cheat, and that you don't want to cheat this character and her growth. No. There'd have uh, to be a good know. reason why he wanted to get away from mm-hmm. her at the end, and I don't right. think... This, this, I don't think there would there the, wouldn't be one. No, the story just didn't build that way. This was yeah. clearly the ending it was building to the entire time, right. so... 
Right. Uh, yeah. So, like, yeah, if there's any complaints about how it ended, I'm like, well, the story was clearly going to your... This is, this is where it was yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was excellent. I, you know, yeah. I, I think it subverted a lot of expectations as it went into the last couple of issues, because instead of going for this big twisty, here's what really happened, or... Mm-hmm or anything, it kind of went for more of this just very satisfying, like, character journey and the end of that mm-hmm. story. And maybe there is some beauty in the idea that this was the story where the human target finally got to just die. Like, maybe in yeah. some level that was the only way he could reach his truth. And, and arguably, he was only truly, really happy and found someone he cared about in that time when he was actually and, dying for real. Like, you know, it wasn't... those 12 days. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, you, so uh, you, you took away the... the, the the shield that he always had, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden he actually was forced to sort of look, be himself and be who he right. could be for his last, you know, two weeks on Earth. Yeah, well, and it, and it takes me back to the to the to the uh, Rocket Red issue, where he's like, "You wasted one of my days." Yeah, and it makes it that much more tragic, you know. So because yeah. so... he he finally got him his he finally got himself into a mission that he could not get out of and it was all tangled. And I, I feel that that is like Tom King's view on love is that love is this thing that entangles and it's so complicated, you know, and it's this thing that this guy who is so detached that the, the time that he let someone get that close was his last thing. Right. It was like the last thing he did. Um, yeah, which is which is why I, th- I think it actually does feel, even though there's obviously sadness because he's dying at the mm-hmm. end and obviously ice is, crying over it and all that yeah there was kind of a happiness to it because he did get to actually experience life right at mm-hmm. the end he did get to finally understand things and feel like a sense yeah. of happiness that maybe he never got into before uh so there is kind of a happy quality to it where he got to do yeah. that before he died so yeah for sure for sure and he got to be you know he got to, to crap his pants that he thought batman was after him you know, oh, that was such a good issue. Like, there was yeah. so many stuff. Style- like, I think in this 12-issue book, I would say, like, nine of them are, like, standout issues, which yeah, is insane. for sure. <laughs> for sure, you know? So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's this book of moments, and and I was going to say, I don't know if it stuck the landing, but I think it more than stuck the landing, you know? And again, processing it, it's just one of those things. I, I think you'll appreciate it even more when you reread yeah, the whole thing someday. Sure. You know, when you get the, the hardcover well, or whatever, and you go through the whole thing again. Yeah, I just, for the... Also, for the sake of, you know, I had a really rough week at work and like trying to read something as you're getting called away to do other things isn't the most conducive way to read something like this, you know, so having to read it over two or three sessions um, versus probably sitting down to read it all at one. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely look, look for me posting, uh, dear listeners and viewers, um, as you know, I'm sure reading it through one one setting will make me have a different perspective well not different we'll add to the perspective of it all so but yeah it's just king king and smallwood give me another something you know i, I mean given that king's doing a second book with uh Fornes, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if we get a second book with smallwood in the mm-hmm. near future um maybe something by starting by the end of the year if we're lucky yes yeah. so yeah no excellent excellent uh yeah, the art, the art has been tremendous throughout. I really can't talk about enough about how, even in this final issue, like her smile in the, the last panel, uh, the the sadness uh, of the bed, you know, sort of being next to the bed and all that stuff. Like, there's so many more of those moments where it's just sequential storytelling, where the facial reaction is changing 
and you can tell what's going through the character's head because we're seeing the sequence of it. Uh, the book's been exceptional at doing that the entire time. So, um, all right, what are you giving Human Target issue 12? I'm going to give this a 9. Yeah, I'm going... Hmm, I'm going to go 9.5. So, yeah. there you go. That is the Human Target. So, that'll bring us out the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and uh, top five books. So... What is your panel slash moment of the week, Matt? So mine's me. This is something I should have brought up on the, the human target section, but the there's the the sequence between uh, ice and fire, and it's just if you've ever lost anybody close to you, um, and just the conversations that you have uh, with a with a very close person after that, I got that vibe just from the art from Smallwood. You know that ice and fire sitting there having this discussion about kind of nothing, but also about Christopher Chance and just their body language on that page where Tora leans into to fire and fire hugs. Like it's like one of the realest things I've ever seen in a superhero comic. Um, so that, that's going to be mine. Yeah. Um, I actually, I'm going to go with detective for a moment because mm-hmm. uh, the, you're already left, haven't you? But Batman's still there is such a great two page yeah. thing like uh, yeah. that that was like a just a, that was such a great emotional beat that just plays on an old batman trope in such a cool mm-hmm. way that it just it landed really hard yeah so i gotta pick that I get it. uh for cover there's a few good options to pick this week uh shout out to the regular action cover which is the, the, mm-hmm. the blue negative space with all the super family yep. really nice uh there's a variant by sandoval and matt herms which is like yeah. a you know like a sports hug kind of thing the group hug yeah like they're kind of in a huddle but they're all smiling yeah you know uh there's a variant for human target uh by melina which is like you know them hugging with a blue streak on the white background but the pick has to be the regular human target cover with chance sitting in the chair with the blue and yellow sort of pastels and paint kind of look to it uh it's just it's just too stunning not to pick looks like there's a pool of blood too the way the colors hit on on there very very Um, good stuff those yeah, yeah like um but those like four or five that I just mentioned were definitely the, the ones that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. What are you picking? Um, I was going through looking through them. Um, uh, I do like the action main cover. That one's super nice. Uh, but it's it's that Molina uh, human target variant. My sure. my shop was out of those. All they had was the main cover, which again isn't bad. Um, but I really want that Molina cover. That's really nice. The blues and and all of that the way it hits. So uh, that's gonna be my pick. Okay. Uh, best art of the week. We go. Um, before we we just give it out because we know there's a clear winner. <laughs> like there is every time. Uh, a uh, big shouts to to Sandoval for Action Comics, and then Star Girl. I thought was really consistent art. Um, from from Knock, so that's good. But Smallwood, it's a Human Target week, and we don't have any left now. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Smallwood. There was never a yeah. question in my head. It, it, no. Like, Sandoval's probably the second best start of the week, but even that mm-hmm. was, it's, it's, it was a bit of a gap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Human Target, Smallwood. All right, top five books of the week, Matt. Go. All right, number one is Human Target, two is Stargirl, three is Action Comics, four is Detective Comics, five is Batman. No, uh, did I, did I give, yeah, I'll go Batman versus Robin. It just edges out um, Blue Beetle. Yeah. Uh, number one for me is the human target. Number two is action. Number three is detective, and uh, number four is 
Star Girl, I think, Lost Children, and then uh, number five is Batman versus Robin. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, similar lists, of course. Mm-hmm. I will tell you now what's coming next week from DC Comics. Uh, we have Batman issue one three three. We have The Flash seven nine four. Poison Ivy issue ten. Batman the Joker the Deadly Duo issue five. We have Adventures of Superman John Kent issue one. So start of that six mm-hmm. issue miniseries. We got The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, Issue 6, Monkey Prince, Issue 12, and out of nowhere, I did not know this was coming, we have The Flash, One Minute War, Start the Clock, Issue 1. So another one-issue uh, special for One Minute no, it, War. No, it's, it's huh? not, though. Is it not? What it is, is, it? A, is it a collection of the first three issues. So oh. it's one of those that they did. Which is a great sign for The Flash. So this this collects Flash, I think seven ninety. Fair enough. Seventy nine, seven ninety. That, that's on me for not reading the yep. uh, description. Uh, yep. So I'm glad. Contains I left... Flash seven ninety, seven ninety one, and seven ninety two. I am so. glad I left my Patreon books both for next yeah. week because now I have even less than I thought. I'd... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I have Batman, Flash, and Adventures of Superman, John Kent next week. So uh, I'll do those three plus my two Patreon books. That's that's yep. my books and, next week. And I, I have Ivy, Monkey Prince, uh, Flash, Batman. Yeah, you've you, you've got Ivy, Monkey Prince, so you've got a couple more than I do. Yeah, but it's the last Monkey Prince, so we're we're okay. Oh, is it okay? Uh, yeah, it's number twelve. Well, last for now. Um, so okay, okay. But yeah. Um, right. Also, next week, uh, Jeremy Adams has confirmed that seven ninety four of Flash. We're gonna get Ivy's new code name finally. So is that next week? Yeah, that's yep. Yeah. Okay. That's next week because he was he was commenting on how much he loves this cover, um, of of the book that's out. So and then he goes also flash fact, Irie gets her new code name. So. Uh, very excited. Yeah, it's going to be Girl Flash. I, I hope ju- not. I, ca- I, ca- I don't know. Is it? Flash Girl, that for, would also be... First stupid thing I keep in my head. All right, yeah. uh, but that, that'll, that'll wrap us up. Uh, that'll bring an end to the show. I will thank our Patreon producers uh, for the month, so thank you very much. To Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Shaw, board now Christopher Moy, and... David Brown, and also Al Tradesman. I said and too early for some reason. Uh, so thank you to you all. Uh, thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon or in any way possible. Uh, but you can get early access to the show at the $5 tier uh, whenever it's ready on the Saturday, uh, once it's been edited and uploaded. Uh, naturally, when there's a longer episode, it takes longer to go up. So, uh, But yeah, I mean, if you like the idea of it being there, at least for you on the early Sunday, uh, before the official release, then you can get access to that. Uh, but uh, any and all support is appreciated. You can, of course, uh, rate the podcast five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Share us around, whatever. Uh, you know, you can join the Discord, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, check out all the other content that we make. Um, I've got multiple movie podcasts uh, over on Mail Fuzz Movies YouTube channel, and they're all available as podcast feeds as well. There's a horror movie one called Streams After Midnight. There's a sci-fi one called The Atomic Cinema Experiment. And there's a sort of franchise one called The Collector's Cut, which we were talking about a little bit earlier on in the show. So uh, go, go and have a look at any and all that stuff. If you want more Connor, uh, he's on the almost cancelled... Actually, we don't really call it that anymore. It's the Mail Fuzz TV news. But you can mm-hmm. find that on YouTube, uh, on Mail Fuzz TV as well. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but that is pretty much uh, the show. That, that'll, mm-hmm. that'll, that'll do us. Uh, so we'll see you next week for some more shenanigans. But that is episode three nine. No, they're not high up. Three, three four six was what we're there on. You go. Yeah, it's like we're getting close to four hundred, Matt, but not quite. As, uh, not quite. Uh, although three fifty, we're actually 
sneak it up on a lot. Yeah, bit. it's it's sneaking. Yeah, but uh, thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Thank you.